apparently Tim Daly and his son have like this video blog type thing going on. Like a little TV show. The yeah. Daily on. Show. And the latest one had Nathan Fillion coming over to the house because apparently Tim had gone crazy and was acting like Superman. <laughs> um, you need to see it. Both yeah, yeah, I started really watching good. it right when Chris called me. So yeah, I, w- I will definitely check it out because uh, I, I saw what you had said that I definitely need to see it. So It was funny as shit. And it proves that Tim Daly has got a great freaking sense of humor uh, for the crap he does in this video. It's just like, wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> he's getting old, though. Yeah, he's getting up there. The last, look- the last time I saw him, I was like, aw, Superman's aging. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys ready to jump into this? Yes, sir. All right. I'm good. I even have us an intro for this one. Oh, Jesus. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hardworking people. I'm Batman. Whoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. This looks like a job for Superman. Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Hello, and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is a very special episode in which we are going to do our wrap-up con report on Megacon 2012. I am Scott Gardner, the man that puts the odd in podcaster. Joining me is Michael Bailey, the man that puts ass in podcast. Oh, I wanted to be the man who puts ass in podcast. You, are, you my friend, Chris Hull, oh. are the man that puts the dir in podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> the dir? Spent really? This, yeah. Okay, I'm, ri- I'm writing this down. It's going next to the fucking birthday card you sent me. And, uh, let's, that... let's talk about that, actually. Okay, okay. So, so I get this nice little package from, well... Well, it's Scott, so it's not a nice package. Anyways, there you go. <laughs> Boom. Um, so it's my birthday. As we record this, uh, it's my birthday tomorrow because I actually get a birthday this year. Uh, Mike is elite. Because it's, do, do you um, mean it's your birthday in like an hour and a... And, and ten minutes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, it's odd it, because I'm elite. Oh, baby, so we're going to get you first before anybody else. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, now wish. I don't have to write something on Facebook. Thank um, God. <laughs> Because I am a leap baby, I actually have done research on why it's called leap year and, you know, the origins of the whole thing. And of all people on Facebook, John Wesley Shipp, who played The Flash uh, back in 1990, 91, uh, asks the question, you know, why do they call it a leap day? And I'm the only one that actually gives like a real answer to it. So I feel like I saved The Flash. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, for those curious, they call it a leap day because in a normal cycle, one year, like December 3rd, will fall on a Monday. The next year, it'll fall on a Tuesday. Well, in a leap year, it leaps over that day uh... and goes to the next day. So there you go. So I've been getting presents in the mail, and this is like one of the first years this has really happened where a lot of people have been sending me stuff, and I encourage it. Uh, so <laughs> one of the listeners to From Crisis to Crisis sent me that DC Universe uh, Crime Syndicate five-pack of action figures. Oh, you lucky bastard. I saw that at Megacon and thought it was awesome. I Somebody sent it. that to you? Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, but even better than that, which is awesome, and thank you, Douglas Meacham. Even better than that, I get a I get a present from Scott, which is always cool. And I open up the box, and I, and there's comics in it, so I'm like excited, because I have never lost that, you know, excited. I I always get excited when comics come in the mail. I've never lost that feeling. And I got the you know like Adventures of Superman number 500 signed by Dan Jurgens, which is great. <laughs> And a Pizza Hut reprint of uh, an old the Return to Krypton, I think it is, or is he just like looking at Krypton as if uh, it never exploded? It was one of those stories, right, from the Silver Age, and Superman Family number uh, one sixty six. And I'm like, oh, these are all great. Oh, there's a card. So I open up the card, and it's got a kitten. It's pink, by the way. It's got a kitten coming out of a present, and it says, A precious girl like you <laughs> should have a happy birthday filled with happy surprises. Aww. Best Scott. Uh, and I think I <laughs> I will get you for this. I just want you to know that. Um, I was trying to find a princess card that was like, Happy birthday, you know, happy ninth birthday, princess. Yeah. And I could not <laughs> find one that I liked. That one literally jumped off the rack and was like this is the card because i saw that and i was like precious little girl that's perfect that is perfect but i wanted one that actually said ninth birthday but i just i couldn't find one that i liked that one was perfect yeah so because uh, this is technically because it is technically your ninth birthday right because yes of, it is i will be nine this year yes i i my the first girl, the only girl that I was quote unquote married to was like, you know, a friend friend of the family. And when we were little kids, my parents like married us in a little ceremony, you know, to amuse themselves when they were drinking wine or in something. India. <laughs> no, or down south. Was whatever. this your first pond far? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> she grew up to be a hottie too. And she was on a leap year, so she was like, you're like you know. You're like, you got to give it up because we're married. You know that, right? You know, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. I was. We were literally, I think, probably like two years old. You know, one of those deals. It's you had like, to travel back to New York when you were twenty-one to fight Stan out in the woods. <laughs> uh, but then when Bye. she hit, when she hit puberty, though, and and we got together, they weren't so eager to to uh, let us uh, spend time together. The uh, a girl that my one of my best friends in high school, Ben, he started dating this girl named Stephanie. Uh, ben was a year older than me. Steph was my age, and we found out soon after meeting, literally, we were both born on the same day. And it just freaked us both out, because you don't really run into too many leap babies. Right. Um, oh, well, at least leap babies who have the same birthday as you, too, um, you know. The only other time it happened, I was working at Home Depot, I had, you know, and when you get a credit card, you have to check ID, or at least you're supposed to. 
And the woman had March 1st, 1976. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's the day after I was born. She goes, you were born on February 29th? I'm like, yeah. She goes, so was I, but my dad had it changed because he didn't want me to get hassled. And I'm like, what? It's one time. Hassled by who? (laughs) That was my question. One time it was an issue when I actually applied for Home Depot and was... I know the babies got a lot of shit in our high school, boy. I can tell you. (laughs) We're all over those freaks. No, but when I was filling out the application for Home Depot, their computer would not recognize February 29th as a Uh date. Uh I was just like, really? That's okay. So they're like, well, just say your birthday's March 1st. I'm like, but my birthday's not March 1st. It's February 29th. They're like, you want to work here? I'm like, okay. <laughs> but uh, now the only other, uh, well, there's been famous sleep babies. Dennis Farina, who was on Crime Story and Law and & Order, and comic book fans will recognize him as Wildcat from Justice League. Oh, okay, He's yeah. Baby. Uh, Antonio Sabato Jr., who uh, tried to be a model and ended up being Deathstroke on Lois and Clark. That was awful. Uh, he's a leap baby, as is Ja Rule. I think oh. you're you're missing the the biggest I, and I'm, most obvious I, one. I'm, I'm, oh, okay, uh, go ahead. Captain Marvel, yes. Captain oh, Marvel. Superman. Yeah, Captain Marvel's birthday is February 29th. Oh, I did well. not know that, believe yes. it or not. Su- Superman is the one I was referring yep. to though. I think that that's pretty awesome that you uh you share the birthday with Superman. I think that's pretty cool. Over at the Fortress of Bailey Tude on the on the 29th. I don't know when this is coming out, but so you may have to go back to this. Uh I actually posted or I will be posting uh pictures from the Smithsonian exhibit that happened during his 50th anniversary. Uh Alan Leach Jr. took pictures of it back when he was like 11 years old and sent them to me. So I posted oh, them. Oh, wow. These things, and it brought back memories because I got to see the thing back when I was like 11 years old. And, you know, normally the museum is boring when you're 11. Right. But it's like when you go in and see the shirt that Christopher Reeve ripped open, suddenly history is alive. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but no, yes, Superman is a leap baby as well. It's all about context, isn't it? See, I don't yes. know. I was, I, I, I feel now. I feel like even more of a geek because I always, I museums were well, yeah, museums were always a, a like insanely stimulating, to, insanely stimulating to me as a child. Of course, the first know. museum I went to was Museum of Natural History, so that was kind of a. Mind blower See, I was to start out with, like high school, you know, social studies. You know, if our teachers could have found a way to oh. tie, you know, fifteenth-century European history into Superman, I'd have totally been aboard for that. <laughs> you know? But you know, they could. A, our teachers could barely weave it into the English language, yes, much less is, Superman. This is yeah, you guys, you guys didn't go to the cream of the educational crop <laughs> as far as school districts goes. No, we went to no. the crop of the, uh, you know. <laughs> yes, we went to the fertile of the prop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, bringing this all back around so that we don't have a three-hour show going into this. Megacon. Three-hour show. Three show. Um, so Megacon, it was uh, February, I want to say 18th through the 20th, something like that. Anyway, at the uh, Orange County Convention Center in Orlando. And uh, it was awesome had a really good time i took my youngest boy logan and uh 
he was really excited to go because for one Stan Lee was going to be there again and more on Stan Lee in a little while and Dan Jurgens. And, you know, because we, we had gone through... Logan has a, a long box of comics in his room, so we sat down together and went through all of his comics trying to find, you know, anything that he might have that was relevant to this year's Megacon. And the, the one thing that really jumped out to the both of us was that not long ago, Logan had just uh, finished reading... He has the, the collected edition, you know, the trade... I don't know if you would call it a trade paperback because the thing is thick as a brick... But it's the collection of the Return of Superman story. Mm-hmm. And with Dan Jurgens going to be there, you know, and he liked that story so much, I said, well, why don't you bring that and have him sign it? You know, so he brought that. So anyway, you know, you, you we had recorded the night before. You know, the three of us had recorded, I, I forget what show that was, we recorded the night before. Comics Monthly Comics Monday. Comics Monthly Monday, that was at last mm-hmm. Comics Monthly Monday. And I was kind of freaking out because, you know, my, my prep for the thing had gone right up until recording time. And I was still doing, you know, prep as we were recording and then a little bit even after the show, just trying to get ready for this show. So I didn't get to bed until much later that night than I intended to get to bed. I didn't sleep worth a crap. And then I got up late. So I was running late the entire morning. And we got- Hello and welcome to Megacon Reports 2012. My name is Scott Gardner of the Two True Freaks podcast, and I'm here with my youngest son, Logan. Say hello, Logan. <laughs> and it is uh, 1024 on February, what did you say the date was? The 18th? 18th. 18th. We are running very late. We should have been there long before now, but we are well on our way. And uh, very excited for Megacon this year. I'm hoping it's not near as crazy crowded as it was last year, but... This promises to be quite the show because there is a lot, a lot of talent going to be there this year. A lot of media stars and all. Although I'm not, uh, I'm not really so much into the media stars. I'm really going for the uh, for the comic book people. But Logan and I both have our uh, backpack stuffed full of books, hoping to get signed. So who uh, who was it you were most excited about seeing for this one? If Stanley is there, then probably Stanley. Yeah, remember we did see Stanley last year. Remember we, we even recorded the whole thing, and then we forgot to ever put it in the show. But yeah, you know what? I I forgot to even look and see what panels they're going to have this year. I don't usually go to the panel, but if they have a Stanley panel, maybe we'll go again this year if we want to. Yeah. But uh, I know you've got your uh, what is that called? The death? Is it the Death and Return of Superman? The Death and Return of Superman. It yeah, says on the cover the Return of Superman. Hoping to get that signed by uh, by Dan Jurgens. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to meeting Jurgens. Um, most excited for Nick Cardi being there. Although I I wish I was able to bring more comics. That was the only downside is I had to pare way down on how many comics I could bring to this thing because I don't want to break my back. But having to carry him around all day, but uh, I brought some books for, uh, hopefully for Mr. Cardi to sign. I really want to get uh, some books signed by him, because he, he did some of my favorite Superman covers from when I was a kid. And let me think who else is going to be there. Tony Bedard is going to be there. I was very excited to meet him. Um, Paul Pelletier. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is going to be there, but... Uh, 
we're gonna we're, we'll drop in a little bit from time to time, and uh, we'll give you the full con report here. Maybe we'll even score uh, a moment or two audio-wise with some of these creators. So stick around. We got to the convention. You know, I had intended to be there well ahead of time. You know, from when the uh, convention opened, we ended up getting there significantly late, and we walked into that place, and there were a million people in line. I mean, this is probably the longest line I've ever stood in in my life. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like the the Space Mountain line from hell. It, there were so many switchbacks in the queue. It was crazy, and I really thought this is it. I'm going to spend the entire convention waiting to get a ticket to get into the convention. But, you know, kudos to them that it, I think altogether it took us about between a half hour and 40 minutes. I mean, it really did move along. That's not that bad. That's not bad. No, it's not. Less than we waited to, uh, in line for a couple rides at Disney. (laughs) This is absolutely true. So, I mean, they really did a great job of, of keeping people in line and, and keeping the line moving and keeping it disciplined. Although I did spy some line cutting, which I thought was kind of rude, but I, I think... So that, we beat the piss out of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that people didn't, actually. People were, were surprisingly well-behaved, which I thought was really cool. It was crowded. It was, it was very busy. It was very well-attended. And this was my biggest concern with going again this year because we went last year and it was scary crowded at one point during the show. And and it almost put me off from going again this year. As a matter of fact, and I think I've told this story on, on prior shows, I, I hadn't really considered going this year. And it was largely because of that uh, happening last year. It kind of put me off from just how crowded it was. But... I'd had several friends, you know, contact me through, you know, Facebook and different places, kept asking me, you know, are you going, are you going? And somebody got me kind of just thinking about it, and I thought, well, at the very least, I'll check and see who's going to be in attendance. And it was looking over the list of attendees that kind of changed my mind and started really, excuse me, getting me thinking about, you know, maybe I really should uh, attend this thing. So, you know, I was able to... uh, to rework my schedule and and work for other people and that sort of thing and facilitate getting the uh, getting the time off and was able to go and I'm really really glad that I did because as awesome as last year was I was blown away by this year it it was just a blast I mean they had some really top-notch people there and as I say it was really crowded yet it wasn't that scary kind of crowded and it was just a really really good con with so many good uh guests in attendance some phenomenal costumes great displays and it was just a whole lot of fun and uh i just kind of wanted to to recap and uh and let people know what went on and uh, and what i got to do i tell you the the costumes were were one of the big things you know we saw one of the cool things you know about waiting in that long line to get in is that you had you know the front row center seat for seeing the people as they were wandering through the lobby or coming into the lobby so i mean we got to see a lot of the costumes that way and there were just some absolutely incredible incredible costumes and you know i consider myself quite the you know well-versed geek but man there were some of them that just stumped me i was like i don't know what that's supposed to be but it's awesome you know a lot for one thing, there's lots of anime. You know, this is definitely a, a very strong anime convention. I'm so sorry. 
Well, you know, I think that does put some people off because I've heard other shows and read other things about um, the anime angle uh, on this convention that a lot of people find it off-putting. I, I don't because it's one of those conventions. I, I, I liken it to like Dragon Con where, you know, there, there's something for everybody. And I don't think it's overpowered by any one fandom. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the comics really, really have a strong presence at this one. That's that's what I liked most about it, was that I felt like the comics uh, side of things stood toe-to-toe with all the other fandoms that were there, whereas I didn't really get that feeling with some of the other shows that I've been to, particularly Dragon Con. I didn't think that the... the no, it was like an afterthought, Dragon it, Con. Yeah, whereas this one... Which is sad, because that's not how it always used to be. Right. See, I hear that about so many other cons, and it, you know, this one I think still, and it's weird because I, I forget which creator it was who I was waiting to, to see, you know, and have, you know, talk to and have books signed or what. But I remember hearing somebody, it's on one of my recordings, but I think it got edited down in the, in the process of the clips that I'll play throughout this show of the different creators I talked to. But somebody is in the background saying, yeah, you know, there used to be so, you know, such a big comic presence here and it's it's really, you know, it's cut way down, but I still think it was good. I mean, they they really got some top-notch talent, you know, as I'll go into here in a minute. So anyway, going into the convention once we finally got our tickets and got in there and everything, and by this point, it was right around noontime. So I was a little bit nervous and I I, I felt like I was kind of under a time crunch all day long. But it's amazing, you know, with only the the 6 hours to play with, just how much stuff we were able to get done and, and how many people we were able to see. And I, I accomplished pretty much all of my, uh, my convention, you know, my major convention goals. So we started off and, and we went through and we kind of tried to follow pretty much the same path that we had done last year and way off as you enter into the, uh, the showroom way off on the right hand side, they have the, uh, the R2 builders. I forget what it's called. It's like R2 builders society or something like that. And man, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I want an R2 unit so bad. Those things are awesome. Are these like the geek masons? I mean, kind of. Yeah, I think so. You know, it, I don't know. I think the Mandalorians might be more like yeah, that. They might be actually more like the geek militia or something. Well, no, that's the five hundred first. Yeah. It's hard to yeah, say. Well, yeah, yeah. If those, if those guys ever decided <laughs> to take over, we'd, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> if they got together, it's going to be big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, all three of those were there. They had the R two builders were there. They had the five hundred first there, and the uh, and the Mandalorians were 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 well represented there as well. Was Barbie Fett there? I didn't see Barbie Fett. I did see the one that's... Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be specifically Boba or not, but the one that's the steampunk Mandalorian. Oh, those are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just just about anything steampunk done right. Mm-hmm. Done that's right, cool. yes. Thank you when for it, that qualifier. <laughs> that's an important qualifier. Yeah. It's, like, it's like as much as I, I love cosplaying and as, as much as I want people to be able to express themselves and you know dress up however they want to i'm sorry this may make me sound sexist but i'm applying it to men as equally as women in fact more so for the men weight appropriate yeah where <laughs> punch your own weight i would never even if i lost weight i would never wear a superman costume to a convention now i may dress up like the mole man or the penguin, uh, or something like that. But uh, God, just 
dudes, really, seriously, you're fat. Get over it. It's okay. If this makes you feel empowered, <laughs> find another outlet. So, well, what if it's done in irony? I mean, then I, they're I a imagine. fucking hipster and they need to die. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, still, I asked. Sorry, I asked, man. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still smarting did from I, the whole Max Landis spot? death of Superman video. So uh, hipsters are now firmly in my radar. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and defend him. That's for sure. (laughs) Sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to derail you there. No, no, not at all. I'm just trying to figure out how to, what, how do I follow that up? Um, (laughs) But no, you know, I, I, I both agree and I don't know. Cause you know, there, there, there'll be a wrap-up segment at the end of this that Logan and I recorded at the time, just kind of collecting our thoughts, you know, and our impressions walking away from the show. And we do get into a little bit of a talk about big people in, in costumes. And I don't know, I, I, I kind of see both sides of it. Because on the one hand, I'm like, you know, nobody wants to see that, you know. But then on the other hand, I, you know, I got to kind of give these people a, a grudging respect because they're braver than I am, you know, because I, I for years... I have fantasized about how awesome it would be to get a really great, like like if I was ever going to do an outfit. No, if I was ever going to cosplay, I'd want to be Captain Marvel. But can you imagine? I mean, you're wearing a skin tight orange leotard. You've <laughs> Scott, got I would to be- I would pitch in money to sit no, to have you in a Captain no, no, no. Marvel outfit. There's the o- only way I would ever do that is if I if I had a body that that was appropriate to that cause. There's no way I'm going to get my big ass into orange leotards and go out there in my present condition. <laughs> this, I'm just, it's just not going to happen, but there are people that do it, you know, and there are people that both look really good doing it. And then there are people that are like, damn dude, that's scary, you know, but I, either way, whether they're, they're, you know, well, there's some people who dress in what they really want to, you know, they want to let go and dress the way they've always wanted to. And then there's some people who've looked in the mirror and said, I look like this person or had, you know, and and right. go like that. I think that's sort of where it splits. Or the, you know, like that guy who looked like Harrison Ford who dressed as Indiana Jones. It was a no-brainer, you know, right. for him yeah. to, what to dress up for. And there's definitely, like, Superman types. and The the kid that looks like Chris Reeve that we saw at, uh, at Dragon Con back in 09 was at this one again this year. And man, he he totally looks like Chris Reeve. Except yeah. he let his hair go so to where he has like, it, it was long enough where it was like starting to curl in the back and all, so it kind of threw it off, you know, threw the look off a little bit. Well, so then after that, I decided it was it was time to just get busy with uh, with what I was primarily there for, you know, which was to meet the comic book people. Because uh, although I had to pare down what I was taking, you know, by quite a bit, I still took a full, you know, fully loaded backpack with me that was straining to. Uh, you know, it was risking breaking the, the straps on the backpack. It was well, so loaded, but I saw all the pictures you posted on Facebook, and I was just like, "Holy cow, man!" Yeah, I, I <laughs> was took, a kid. Yeah, I took a ton of books, and you know, was so fortunate that I got nearly everything signed. You know, everything awesome. You know, everything that was the that was the most important to me got signed. So that was you know that was very important to me. But uh, I just I, I kind of just started a circuit 
and started seeking out the, the folks that I really wanted to meet. And the very first one that I just happened to chance across, and I feel so bad because I still do not know how to pronounce this fella's name, but he was so nice and so accommodating. I'm going to pronounce it Dajong. I'm, I'm really not sure if that's correct, but it's spelled D-A-X-I-O-N-G. That, that's the guy's name. And he was the artist on a couple of those little Star Wars adventures, the digest-sized books. Uh-huh. He did Luke Skywalker and the Treasure of the Dragon Snakes. And he did the very awesome um, Boba Fett and the Ship of Fear, which was fantastic. I really like this. And his art is phenomenal. I really, really like his stuff. And uh, he was very gracious and signed uh, both those trades for me. And I talked to him just briefly um, that's that's actually going to be the the theme of this whole convention was that anybody that I got to to meet and talk to it was always briefly because not only was I having to keep moving in order to get all these people in but you know it was a well attended con and the and the comics folks you know their their uh, areas their booths were well attended you know so there was always other people waiting in line and you know you don't want to be the guy that's you know being a jerk and monopolizing their time or having them sign 100 books or whatever so unlike you know, dragon con where they were like no hang out <laughs> i'm lonely <laughs> well i did with a couple you know there were a couple of them that uh you know i got a little bit more time in than other ones but uh but for the most part well, i mean part, there, there were some really good artists at dragon con who were just sitting there <laughs> you know, and we'd start talking to them and they were like, you could tell they were like, ah, you know what? I'll talk to this guy for 15 minutes. It's better than just right. sitting on my ass here. I had that. I had that with a couple of people um, and uh, and I'll get to them. But for the most part, I mean, I was surprised by just how many people seem to be there for the comics. And that was cool. That was really, mm-hmm. really nice to see, you know, because there were some major, uh, major media people there. You know, so I really thought that that it was going to be primarily, you know, the the anime stuff, the gaming and the and the media. But, you know, the comic stuff wasn't just, you know, sloughed off or stuffed off in a corner somewhere. It was dead center in the convention hall. And to my eyes, it was well attended because I know that, you know, I always had to wait my turn. And uh, and there were always people nipping at my heels that, you know, get your shit signed and moved on. So. Uh, you know, a lot of my time with with the folks was brief, but awesome. So after uh, after having that stuff signed, um, the first fellow I ran across was uh, Paul Pelletier. Oh, and, neat! And he did confirm that it, that is how his name is pronounced. So I thought that that was really cool. And I, my only regret is that I, again, you know, because I had to pare down so much, I only took one book for him to sign, and because. Um, Tony Bedard was going to be at this convention and I just happened to be reading I'm still making my way through Exiles I had just hit the era of Exiles where um, Paul Pelletier came on and was the artist for a while so I took um, a book that you know they could both I could have them both sign and everything you know hoping to meet Tony at some point at this so I had Paul Pelletier sign only one book but it's Exiles number 74, the issue where Longshot joins the team. Did you cosplay as Longshot once? Yes, I did. Yeah, my very first convention, I was Longshot. And uh, Longshot's always been a favorite character of mine. I like, um, so far, what I've read of Longshot being on the team. He's a natural fit for 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 the team in the nature of how this team works, that they're heroes assembled from different continuities uh, all on one team so long shot you know he's a perfect fit for this team 
and I love Paul's artwork and really wish I could have spent more time talking to him. Really wish I had uh, had had the space to bring a couple issues of uh, his fantastic run on The Outsiders because um, he he was the artist on The Outsiders. I, th- I want to say that's volume two, but I could be wrong. I think it's uh, the second. It's technically the third series because okay. you have Batman and The Outsiders uh-huh. and then the Baxter series. Right. And then in the 90s, there was a new series. That's the one I'm talking about. That he about. did. Yeah. yeah. And I collected that series because the Eradicator ended up joining the team. And uh, I liked that book a lot because I liked the team itself. But also, Paul's art's just phenomenal. He's, he's oh, one yeah. of those ones that's kind of hard to peg is exactly what his art style is like. He's kind of like, I would, I would kind of qualify him as like, sort of a mixture between like say John Byrne, Mike Zeck and uh and Dale Keown. A little know? bit of Micro Ringo thrown yeah, in Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, with kind of the bubbly look to yeah. the guys. Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely adored his run on Green Lantern. Yes, yes. The Kyle Rayner series. Yeah, yeah that he is my second favorite Kyle artist. That was in another all book honesty. I considered taking was uh GL number 50. Um, and having him sign it. But as I say, I was tight on space. And, uh, and so I just brought that one book. Um, he was the only guy I met at the entire thing. The only uh, creator I met who, um, trying to think of how I want to put this. I think maybe he's shy because everybody else was, was really outgoing and like, Hey, how's it going? And shaking your hand and they talk your ear off and, you know, they're really happy and excited not that he wasn't happy and excited. He was very gracious and all, but at the same rate, he was not um, gregarious. You know what I mean? He was kind of like, hi, how's it going? I'll sign your book. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. Have a good day kind of thing. Not, you know, not to, not rude, not dismissive, just kind of like, like uh, almost humble. You know what I mean? Like, like he didn't think he was a big deal or something, you know, and, and a little bit tough to engage in conversation because I, I wanted to gush, you know, and he was just kind of like, okay, that's nice. And, so it's kind of kind of weird. Everybody else was very much, you know, some of them were like, "Oh, that's great." And then other ones were like, "Yeah, I'm awesome." So, you know, <laughs> everybody else was was higher tiers of, you know, being able to really get into to talking about their work where he was more like, you know, "Well, hey, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it kind of thing." And and that was it. So um so the next one that I met which uh was was probably the number two reason I went to uh to Megacon this year was Dan Jurgens. Yes. And this was a big deal for me for a number of reasons. Um, I'm going to play a clip here in just a moment. And uh, as you'll hear in the clip, you know, I tell Dan that, uh, that I've been following his stuff pretty much since his earlier days, which was true. I've, I've been a fan of his pretty much since I discovered him, which I, I do believe was pretty early in his career when he created Booster Gold. And I was a huge, huge fan of Booster Gold. And so I took several books for him to sign uh, for me personally. And the three books that I had him sign for me were uh, Booster Gold number one. And then Booster Gold numbers six and seven, which were the origin of Booster Gold. And guest starred Superman. And they fight. And this remains one of my absolute favorite um, comic book stories and I could vividly remember when I was reading these issues as they were brand new thinking I love this guy's Superman stuff I hope he does more Superman and then he went on to do Superman for what was it Mike like 12 years or something like 10 that 10 years yeah. 10 years uh, either writing drawing or both and he's about 
uh, next month to start up uh, co-writing and drawing the character again. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the title in Superman, and I, I can't tell you how excited I am for this. That was yeah, that's definitely something I, I wanted to talk about. I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit because that was uh, something I was not aware of, and uh, I think you'll be surprised by who ended up telling me about that. Um, Logan took his uh, trade, you know, his Return of Superman trade, got it signed by uh, by Dan, so that was really cool, and. I was really excited to, uh, you know, I knew your birthday was coming up. And I know that you guys will are, you know, slowly creeping up on uh, the return of Superman story as well. So, I, you know, and I felt bad that you couldn't go because I know that, you know, you're, you really uh, are just as big a fan, if not a bigger fan of Dan Jurgens than I am. So I went, I just happened to have um, a spare copy of Adventures of Superman 500. So I took that uh, to have him personally because you had you had said that it was signed, but it's actually signed to you. Yes, yeah, personalized, <laughs> which is even better. So uh, I'm I'm glad you liked that. Uh, that was that was important. No, it 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 it, it made me it, it made me uh, I'm I'm man enough to say this. It kind of made me choke up. Aw. <laughs> well, happy birthday! I'm glad you liked it. But uh, it was it was really cool. He was he was very nice to me. He was a really cool guy, and uh, I'm amazed he didn't say something about um coming back to superman but i'll, I'll get back into that sir logan's just getting into comics and he loved the return of superman he thought it was awesome oh that's great happy to hear that there you go thank you can you have some more here First, I just wanted to shake your hand i have been an admirer of yours for ever since your oh, earliest thank days you. i appreciate that you were a guest on From Crisis to Crisis not long ago, a Superman podcast yeah. with Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor. Yeah. Mike's a real good friend of mine. We do uh, the Tales of the Justice Society of America podcast oh, okay. together, and uh, Mike couldn't be here. He lives near Atlanta. And okay. I was just wondering if you would sign that to Mike from, uh, from okay. Dan Jurgens. Yeah, it would make his, make his year, I'm sure. We did a show last night, and he was like, I can't believe you get to meet him when I don't, because I'm the one that does the Superman podcast. You know, it's, it's funny, because I thought that was a real awkward podcast. Really? Well, because this is the one that he did with Jerry, right? I think so, yeah, because yeah. you guys were there together, and yeah. I, Jerry, I thought, just was going down some real negative roads and talking about this was bad and that was bad and everything else. It just happened. What's in the room with you? What are you talking about? I think a lot of that stuff didn't make it into the final episode. Oh, it's in? Oh, okay. I, I think so. I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've listened to it, but, uh, but I got a kick out of it. He made it sound like a nightmare. Well, there you go. Glad we could get it signed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Nice to meet you. So we wandered around a little bit, and uh, the next one uh, that I met up with, uh, again, this, this one was huge on my list of people that I really, really wanted to meet at Megacon was Tony Bedard. Now I've just kind of, I, I know he's been around, I know he's done a lot of different things, but I've just kind of discovered uh, Tony for myself with Exiles. You know, I was aware of his work on uh, Rebels and some other things, but uh, I had just personally discovered him and I'm really enjoying this, uh, this Exile series. So it was nice to uh, be able to speak with him and I got him to sign, um, well, he signed the book that Paul signed for me. Uh, Exiles number 74, but then I also had him uh, sign Exiles number 62, 
which I believe that's his first issue, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the significance to that issue. And then also 63, um, which was part of my, so far anyway, of my favorite story uh, in Exiles, which was uh, where uh, Hyperion comes back. Mm. mops the floor with everybody it's awesome i mean hyperion has been made out to be an incredible badass in this series and he's he's really cool he's basically an evil superman and it's pretty intense it was really really good stuff how's it going nice to meet you my name is scott i was so excited when i saw your name on the guest list because i had just scored almost the rest of my run i needed to complete exiles and i've been reading it right now yeah and i just hit the paul pelletier stuff and he's here right, too so yeah. i was like this is really awesome, awesome. so I'm, I'm really thrilled yeah great series thank you yeah paul and i worked on something for Frostgen called negation and and he was my favorite collaborator ever what was the name of that again negation negation I'll yeah check that out oh it's yeah, it remains maybe my favorite project I ever oh, really? worked on. Yeah, yeah they, they don't exist, um, but he's he's a wonderful guy. I love him. I want to work with him again. Do you have a favorite issue of uh, or a favorite uh, storyline of Exiles? That's a little tough, but probably the all Wolverine. You know, we had like a two part. Oh, that was in my stack to bring yeah. too, and I called it out because I was like, you know. What? Because I, I think I've read that issue, but I'm not sure. Because yeah. I'm, I'm like right, in the, I'm like 79 or 80, and it, like, it started as a joke. Uh, you know, Casado was saying, you know, since it seemed like Wolverine was in every book anyway. That's the one where it pulls Wolverine from like all these different realities. Right? Yeah, yeah, and so it's that's, just is, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without <laughs> hitting a different Wolverine in that one. Uh, and uh, Paul actually gave me some original art from it uh, with zombie Wolverine and his stomach is all yeah, because he's just eating like three other Wolverines, you know? That's funny. I think I have seen that issue, but yeah. I, I know I wish I'd brought that one. I liked the Hyperion story. I yeah. thought that was awesome. Because I like, you know, Superman analog. I'm a huge Superman fan, so I like Superman right. analogs, and this was kind of your chance to play with Superman, but as an evil Superman. I just thought it was awesome. I, yeah. I was just geeking out. He was fun. <laughs> it was a really cool book. Awesome. All right. It's well, very nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet much. you. Yeah. Uh, drop me a line and we'll uh, do the show. So after him, I, uh, I got to meet briefly with uh, Sergio Cariello. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He was the artist on uh, Dynamite's The Lone Ranger series. And I really, really, really enjoyed this series a lot. He was really cool. And I got him to sign uh, issues zero and one. Sadly, he says he is not working on the new series that just started up, which was one of the reasons I, uh, for the time being anyway, I have passed on that book, um, decided not to get that one, and uh, was asking him what he is currently working on. He's working on a series of uh, biblical um, adaptations in comic book form. So I might uh, keep an eye out for that stuff at some point. Because uh, it looked really interesting, you know. I was looking at some of the stuff he had done, but uh, his work on Lone Ranger was just fantastic. I really like that stuff. It's funny. Our Crumb is adapting the Bible too. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was doing it straight up. I know um, Chester Brown did too. Rob Liefeld was doing some of that uh, not long ago as well, I believe. Chester Brown did it straight. Chester Brown's adaptations of the Bible were like the last chapter in each of his comics, and they were great. <laughs> they were they were intense. So after him was another one of the biggies for me, um, and this one was was awesome. I think I may have spent 
more time with him. Well, no, I take that. I was going to say I may have spent more time talking with this fellow than anybody else, but no, I take that back. I, I think I spent more time with uh, with one other creator, but uh, Bob Layton was there. Now, Bob Layton, you know, a legend in the business, mostly for his Iron Man work, but he's done so much other stuff beyond just uh, just his Iron Man, but he he's just a phenomenal artist that I've been a fan of for a long, long time. And so I'm waiting there to get to speak to him and he's got a he had a really nice booth where he had a lot of beautiful beautiful uh, lithographs mostly his iron man work and he had this nice little picture on his desk of him standing with robert downey jr on one side of him and john favreau on the other side of him and i thought that was really cool he had actually you know he he was actually quite involved in the production of both of the uh iron man films which i thought was really cool so there's this fella um, that was ahead of me, and we had struck up a conversation, I, and I regret that I didn't get the fella's name, but he was really, really nice. And he was telling me about some book that I I wish I had written down now because it sounded really cool, and I, now I can't remember what it was. We were just chit-chatting, and while we were talking and, and Bob was talking to, to this fella, um, Bob was signing books, and the guy had brought the entire um, Secret Wars series to be signed, the original Secret Wars and so he's signing them, and he gets to a particular issue, and I want to say it was issue six. And he goes to hand the book back to the fella, and the book catch the back cover catches on the board that he's signing on, and rips right down the center of the back of the book. And I did some homework before the show, and if the listener listens really closely to the sound bite that Scott's going to play, you can hear the end of that happening. I yes. recognize. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, indeed. Oh, Which one was that? Secret Wars. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, man. Here, take a free print, all right? Oh, make up for it. Okay. Wow. They're limited. That way you can sell it and buy another one, all right? Well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. First off, I'd like to shake your hand. Delighted to meet you. I've been a big fan for a long, long time. I don't wish to be greedy. Do you have a, a limit on... You see how fast I signed? All right. It's not a problem. I'll try not to rip yours either. I tried to, to pick ones that uh, had a special meaning to me, and uh, I'm a co-host of the Justice Society of America podcast. We just covered this book on our show not long ago, and it's always been one of my favorites. And we just covered this one, too, with The Origin of the Huntress. I wanted to ask you, did you develop your interest in Hercules from working on Champions? No, actually, I've always had, I, was, I used to love those old Hercules Thor fights and Thor. Yeah. And I just thought, God, they never did enough with him. You know, because, I mean, to me, he was just the biggest buffoon. I love, I love like, guys like that. Knuckleheads. I'm a huge fan of the first two uh, four-issue series that you did, and I never realized until just recently that you kept it going and you did the graphic, the graphic novel. novel. And yeah, and I, I just picked that. I it's just great. Did Hercules the End. Yeah, I just, I, that came out last year. I, haven't, I didn't even hear I, about I it. I killed off all the characters, dude. Oh, I got, I got to read that. I got to read that. that I, my good. last four-issue miniseries killed them all. <laughs> In fun ways, though. It was really cool. It's been over twenty years. Since I can't I tell if you're joking or not. Uh, not. It's it's everybody everybody who's read it said it was just like it never left. You know, I mean, I, when I picked it up to write it, it was like I was writing. You know, just like no time had passed. You know, but it picks up right where the graphic novel was on. Do you listen to podcasts by any chance? On occasion, if I'm on them. 
I also co-host the, uh, well, we'd love to have you on our show, by the way. Do that. I co-host the uh, Two True Freaks podcast. We just covered this on Star Wars Monthly Monday. Yeah. After you hear it, you'll probably want to slug me, but I swear it was all in good fun. We tore this one up because it was such an awful story, but I love your artwork. It was terrible. <laughs> on the flip side, to make up for it, we do another segment called Top 5, where uh, our listeners solicit us ideas for what we think of the top five of any given subject. Yeah. And recently, one of the subjects was the top five greatest single issues ever, and this was one of my top five. I swear to God, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I did a recreation of the cover in there. Oh, really? Yeah, it's on the next page, I think. Yeah. Wow. It was one of my all-time most popular covers. I love that issue. Honestly, it's it's awesome. It is, it is such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you friend. so much. Uh, you can write me at boblink.com. Boblink.com? Email me. Honestly, it was meant a lot to me to meet you. Thank you very much. I recognize that in the background, and I'm like, oh, that's that poor guy. <laughs> and uh, apparently Scott recorded somebody's soul dying. So, yeah, <laughs> crushed into dust in front of him, in front of his one of his favorite authors, too. At the hands. Well, he felt bad. It, it was weird because I, I felt horrible for the both of them for, for very different reasons. Because, you know, the, the, the guy, you know, he this meant a lot to him to get, you know, because he, he brought the whole run to get signed. So now here's this one that's, you know, going to be messed up in the run. You know, and I, I felt for him because that would really suck. But then I also felt really bad for Bob because he obviously, you know, he didn't mean for that to happen. Yeah. But I thought he handled it really, you know, nicely because then he let the guy just, you know, choose, you know, any of the lithographs that were sitting oh, there. Wow. You know, some of which were, you know, really nice and very expensive. And he was just like, you know, here, take one, you know. So I thought that was really cool of him rather than just being like, oh, that sucks, dude. You know, I mean, he he felt bad. Here's 50 and, cents. Go find another issue. Yeah, well, exactly. I was going to say he could have probably been he could have probably like grabbed somebody like like his assistant and said hey go out and get another issue a number four and right. bring it back here and we'll sign it for him and and all that and it probably wouldn't have been too hard to find one yeah actually. i don't i it's, it's but, my, you know i i haven't kept up with with values of comics in quite a long time but to the last i looked the only issue of that series that had any you know price to it at all was the uh I think it's number eight, the first appearance of, uh, well, it's actually not the first appearance, but it's the, the origin of how Spider-Man got the black costume, you know, the living costume that be later became Venom. But the rest of the issues of that series, I would imagine you could probably find those for, you know, at, at most a couple of bucks a piece. Right. I right. mean, it wasn't like the guy was out, you know, thousands of dollars or something, you know, but, uh, I took a, a good number of books, um, for him to sign probably, off the top of my head, I think I may have taken more books for him than anybody else. But uh, I took, um, you know, I, I always try to take something that that had some sort of significance to me. And for him, it was really hard because he's done so many books I really, really, you know, like and, and wanted to have him sign. But I, I tried to keep it reasonable. But I took uh, DC Special number 29, which is the untold story of the Justice Society, because not only is uh, is his work on it beautiful, but Mike and I just covered that not long ago on Tales of the JSA. So I thought that was really cool. Um, likewise, uh, DC Superstars number 17, which was the origin of the Huntress. And I took that one because uh, he worked on that. And again, Mike and I had just talked about that. And then one that we just talked about on Comics Mo Monthly Monday not long ago was his work on Hercules. 
Hercules, Hercules. I was really blown away to find out that, you know, recently I'd found out that there was work that he had done beyond just those two miniseries that Chris and I had known about and read when we were kids that, you know, not long ago I discovered, well, there, you know, there's a third chapter. There's the the graphic novel that came out ago. Well, then he drops a bomb on me that he's done another miniseries beyond that. That was just a couple of years ago. Um, what's the name of it? Twilight of a God. I think it was called. And he had said that he kills everybody in the story. I got a kick out of it and literally could not tell if he was kidding or not. I also had uh, Iron Man because I had to take some Iron Man. You know, come on, it's Bob Layton has to get some Iron Man in here. And I uh, chose Iron Man 131 through 133, which not only is it a fantastic Iron Man story, this is one of my favorite Incredible Hulk stories of all time. Because this was the story where I felt like you know, somebody was finally doing what the geniuses of the Marvel Universe should have been doing for Bruce Banner a long time ago, which was somebody was actually looking into his problem and trying to help him. We covered this issue on Back to the Bins. I thought we did, yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic story where Tony Stark actually comes up with, at least for a time, with a cure for the Hulk. But there was a really big twist that uh, I don't want to spoil but although I, I, I think you're right, Mike, I think we did cover that issue on uh, Back to the Bins. But it's just a fantastic story and, of course, features an epic uh, battle between Iron Man and the Hulk. So, you know, come on, you can't go wrong. And, uh, you know, if you're biding your time out there in comic book land waiting on the Avengers movie, check this uh, story out because it's phenomenal. It'll, yes. it'll uh, just kind of whet your appetite for the Avengers movie. Well, wrapping this up real quick, as you'll hear in the audio clip, I handed him Star Wars number 78 to sign because I couldn't resist. I had to be a smart ass and, uh, and I had to get that sign. It's such it's, a... Oh, no, that's the one with... Um, <laughs> Hot with, stuff. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, it's Lordy. terrible. Yes, it was awful, but he was good-natured about it. And I followed that up by kissing his ass, although I was completely sincere about it, with Thor 356, which, uh, you know, you guys will recall was one of my picks for uh, top five greatest single issues ever. I love that book. And uh, and he was seemed genuinely touched that uh, I had nice things to say about it. And he had done a cover recreation of it, which was just awesome. I mean, if he hadn't told me it was a cover recreation, I totally would have thought it was the original cover. It looked just like it. So right after Bob, Leighton, and I are done talking Hercules, right? And I, I'm, I'm on such a total geek high from having gotten to, to speak to Bob Leighton. And he was so awesome and so gracious and uh, totally down with the idea of maybe uh, guesting on the, the show sometime. So I'm kind of wandering around in like this total like geek haze, right? And who do I run into? Now, I didn't know his name at the time. And thanks to... Um, Oh my gosh, I cannot remember who sent me this on Facebook. Oh, I feel so badly. I'm going to have to look it up and give uh, give proper kudos later. But uh, somebody sent me the fella's name. His name is Doe. At least I'm assuming it's pronounced Doe. It's D-O-U-G-H. Doe Hubler. And he was there cosplaying as Hercules. And damn if he didn't look like he just walked out of the comics. I mean, he's phenomenal. Doe just had a birthday. I saw it on on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook now. He just turned sixty, and this guy—I mean, he's one of those. Huh? Look him up. I mean, look, he's incredible. I saw the picture of him. Yeah. He does not look like he looks like he's about 
35, 40 right. years old. Maybe he's, he's got a lot of facial. He's got the Hercules facial hair. To, I mean, you but, talk about a guy that deserves to be cosplaying as what he, he's cosplaying as. He yes. Friggin' looks he's, like Hercules. Oh, he's in shape, too. He's, he's a big barrel-chested guy. Yeah. So I felt very conscientious standing next to him getting my picture taken. But I'll tell you what. He was, he was very great. He's one hell of a cool guy. Because I told him, I said, brother, I said, it takes some big cojones to be wearing that outfit. And he goes, yeah, don't I know it? But, you know, it, it helps when you look the part, you know? And, I mean, he looks like he could be bench-pressing trucks and shit, you know? I mean, he didn't, he wasn't some doughy fanboy like me. He was, I mean, he's a bodybuilder, you know? And he looked great. So, that he was really cool. And, uh, and I'm really honored to be his friend now on Facebook. I thought I, he was really cool. So moving on from there, I met briefly with uh, Rob Hunter, who was uh, uh, an inker on uh, uh, during Joe Casada's run on uh, Invincible Iron Man when Iron Man came back after what was that event called? My Hero's Return. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I liked that run a lot, and the book I took was uh, number twenty-seven because the cover on that has Iron Man when he was in that that armor that had like the glowy yellow bits where they were yes. doing like that neon effect and he's like collapsed on the ground and there's a bottle of liquor you know not far from him and I, I was working at Target at the time when this came out and I was uh, in charge of the magazine section and so I was straightening comics up one day and I saw this cover and I thought oh Jesus are they are they revisiting that tired old cliche of alcoholic Tony Stark and really dogging it just you know based solely on the cover the next thing you know I read it next thing you know I was buying Iron Man again I got sucked right in I thought this was a really really good story and the art was phenomenal so anyway uh, talked to him just briefly and uh, and he was really really cool and then one of the biggies and this is the one that uh, I think will make Chris uh, most jealous. I finally got it straight from the horse's mouth. His name is pronounced Sinkevich. Bill Sinkevich was there. and uh, I knew that. Well, I didn't know that. I've always mispronounced it. I'd always pronounced it uh, Sinkevich. And he says Sinkevich. So I, I'm, a minor distinction, but I'm sure it's important to the man himself. So I'm to, glad that I'm yes. finally pronouncing his name right. People like to have their names pronounced correctly, yes. Speaking of pronouncing names correctly, uh, I'll have something more to say about that near the near the tail end of the show. A little story to, to tell Mike that I think he'll get a kick out of. So what did I take for Bill? Well, for one thing, and I was telling Chris this off the air recently, the man did not look a thing like what I expected him to look like. You expected I had, him to look like Warlock, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, okay. I, I expected him to look like, uh, yeah, just just like Alan Moorish or something, you know, like like real like a real freak or something. And I think Chris, Chris, you perfectly nailed I it. Called what did, it what, didn't yeah, I called it. you did. What did you say you thought he he should look like? I pictured skinny art student Euro style, yep. so he would be like kind of pasty and yep. quiet tone of voice very mellow so. mellow person it's always those it's that's always those artsy types are like that that draw the crazy stuff you'd think they'd be babbling idiots but they're actually like they seem grounded and mellow you know they don't seem like they're about to go into a bell tower but you would think of, <laughs> you'd think by his art that he might be that kind of crazy person but you would nope. never, if you didn't know him, you know, if you didn't know who he was or what he had done and never read any of it, you'd never know by this this very unassuming, very mildly voiced person that 
he was the same guy that has done some of this just wild, wild stuff that he had done. I didn't take anything wild. I had considered taking straight toasters Mm -hmm. that I had read when it came out and loved it and it was great and it was groundbreaking, but it's been so long since I've read it. I was afraid that if he wanted to discuss it, I I wouldn't be able to because I, I don't remember what the hell it was about. I just remembered it being like really trippy, but I remembered enjoying it when it came out. Instead, I took more or less mainstream stuff, but again, stuff that was important to me. I took Star Wars number 92 um, because he and Cynthia Martin had done the cover. Yeah. And it's a great cover of uh, a, blue, a black-clad Luke Skywalker approaching like this, like... It almost looks like it's from The Lion King. It's like that scene where, where Mufasa forms out of the stars to talk to Simba. That's kind of what this looks like. It looks like yes. Darth Vader's formed out of the stars to talk to Luke. It's really both both voiced by uh, James Earl Jones. By oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Connection. I didn't plan that, I swear to God. It just kind of came to me. Awesome. Awesome cover on Thor, number 333, where Thor fights Dracula. And I love this cover because he uses the same Dracula that he used in my absolute favorite uh, X-Men story ever. Not that I'm much of an X-Men fan anyway, admittedly, but still. uh, And I know, Chris, that you know the story I'm talking about. Mm X-Men number 159, which carried Mm -hmm. over and was continued in X-Men annual number six, where the X-Men fought Dracula. And uh, I want you guys to listen to this sound clip where he dropped a bomb on me about what he thinks of his Dracula work today. How do you not have a line a mile long? How do you not have a line around the block? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did yesterday. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> I, think people, I think I missed my panel this morning. People didn't think I was here or something. So. May I shake your hand, sir? Absolutely, sir. So. Delighted to meet you. Big fan. Thank you. You're a god. Probably sense a little bit of a theme here. I don't know. Do you have a, a signing limit? No. Uh, well, no. It's five or free, and then it's a dollar free one after that. Not a problem. Not a problem. First off, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Ah, uh, well, that makes two. I don't. Did you pick up the big Lucas book, the one that uh, that just came out? And I uh, I did a, a thing on droids of the galaxy of the of the universe. Like, I did, Wh- which book was it's, this? It's a new book. It just came out. It's like a uh, it's a Star Wars. It, it came out like maybe six, maybe six, four to six months ago. It was a big, thick book. They got like 15 different artists to do like, uh, you know, it's like an art of Star Wars 2 Is something. this a comic or a... No, it's a big, thick book. Oh, I have to look for that. Yeah. Um, written by um, the same guy who wrote the, a couple of the other Star Wars books. He worked, he's a huge, rep, he's, rep, he's rep, pretty reputable for... Uh, oh, um... On blanket on yeah, I, I, I think I know who you mean, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He does covers for some of the novels. No, he works for Lucas as a, like a writer, and a, like he's done a number of books on Lucas. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but he called me up, and I so uh, with a theme, and it's it's like had to be visuals, no no uh, words or whatever. So I did like a whole series of different droids from like all over the. Uh, universe like more than like r2d2 different like configurations and stuff i don't know if you'll believe this or not now i'm not uh, admittedly much of an x-men fan but this remains to this day my favorite x-men story i thought it was awesome your take on dracula was just great oh and thanks i, I mean it I, it's weird how i i see how i did him then and i would do it's like i almost feel like i went to, to central casting on that one. i would do, <laughs> really i would do them completely different i, I would uh 
I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more of a Nosferatu fan. Oh, you know, I see. so it's like I, I see it more like a, you know, a little bit more macabre, but uh, you know, really getting into the whole like Vlad, Vlad Tepich type right, thing. You right. know, I mean, I the the whole interesting thing of uh, Lugosi and everything. I thought that was interesting, but I would have really loved to just push it a little bit further. You know. By the way, what did you think of this uh, Fury book that you did the cover for? Uh, I thought it was actually pretty good. Several of the fellows that worked here on it today, I was lucky enough. I hope I get all their signatures. I thought it was awesome. I had a lot of fun doing the cover. My best friend that uh, does the show with me, he lives up in Rochester, New York. He is going to be very, very jealous when I tell him I got to talk to you today. He's a huge fan. Probably going to yell at me for not bringing the uh, Daredevil graphic novel that you did to get signed. Uh, I've never been much of a Daredevil fan, although I love the art. It's beautiful. Thanks. Take care. It's very nice to meet you. Drop a bomb on you. I was about to say, you've been saying that like a bunch now, and every time you said, I go, if you drop a bomb on me, <laughs> baby. Did I say that? I said and then it makes that descending like whistle noise. Like, yeah, it makes that descend. I hear that descending whistle noise. It makes dogs bark in that song. But, but, here, but here's the thing, Scott, and, and don't take it personally. It's just I, I listened to too much 80s music as a child, <laughs> and I now have a disorder which scientists are, are trying to cure. That uh, that when I hear people quote those lyrics, I immediately start singing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not decided if this is an emotional disorder, uh, a physical disorder, or if I'm just retarded. Dang. Why can't it be all three? All cheers! I got I, I got it too, man. <laughs> I would have so. brought my I would have brought my um, if I was going to bring a Bill Sinkevitz. Comic, I would have brought my adaptation of the Dune movie for him to sign. Oh, I hadn't even because see, I felt really bad because well, in the future, away from the convention, I realized that I got something signed for Mike. Now, granted, it's Mike's birthday, you know. Yay! I mean, yeah, but I realized that I I didn't get anything for you, and this was a guy that I oh. know you would have loved to have got something from, and I felt really bad. I well, used to have doubles of both X Men 159 and that uh, annual, but I don't. But you don't anymore. I, have the many, I don't think I do. I could. I may still, and just was you know forgetful well, and think to look. But you, you know, after the fact, I thought of this, and I was like, yeah, next time I know Scott's going to a convention, and we know who's going to be there, maybe I can mail him a few, you know, and just say, hey, here, you know, absolutely, I'd be happy to. That gave me the idea that maybe we should start like a thread on our on our forum page where people who are going to conventions can get a little group together where you know they when each of them goes to a convention they get a bunch you know they can people can trade signature you know i would be down for that because i would look at that as as paying the favor forward because not long ago we received a gift from uh, jose rivera where he had taken all-star uh all-star squadron number one to one of the conventions he went to and he got Uh. it signed for us by rich buckler which was just awesome well you know i mean because there's always going to be somebody going to a convention somewhere where nobody else can go to and it's like for the price of post, you know, for the price of postage, if if you set up a little trade, it'd be worth it to do that, and everybody could sort of like track down the, you know, if if it's 
if it worked out like a nice little trade thing, everybody could end up getting a lot of signatures and not, you know, Absolutely. without having to go to all the shows. Absolutely. Well, the last thing I got signed by uh, uh, Sinkevich was uh, he did all the covers to that uh, Max comic series, you know, the Marvel Max series, mm-hmm. Fury, which yes. I love that series, especially the first issue. The stuff that Fury says about the state of the country today, it's totally my opinion. You know, it's totally how I feel about America when I look around at America today. So that that issue really resonates with me. So it was important to me to take that because not only did he do the covers, Jimmy Palmiotti inked, and of course, Palmiotti was there. Before I tra- uh, transitioned to Palmiotti, though, um, it occurred to me much too late to do anything about it. The one comic I kick myself for not taking, I cannot believe that I forgot this. Sinkevich did the cover to Legion of Superheroes number 38. One of my favorite comic book covers of all time. Chris, you know that that picture that you just used for our Raiders of the Lost Ark commentary? Yes. The sunset picture? Mm -hmm. There's a picture like that where the Legion of Superheroes are standing on a precipice with the sun behind them, just like in that Raiders picture that you used. And it's, uh, it's the issue where Superboy died. And it's called The Greatest Hero of Them All. And I love that cover. And I can't believe that I forgot to take it because he did that cover. So hopefully, you know. How many comics do you have? Uh... A lot. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's kind of impossible for <laughs> yeah, you to like, I know. mentally just file yeah, through I, all of them and be like, I, oh, yeah, that one. I know, but still, you know. Um, so anyway, moving along. So after I left uh, uh, Sienkiewicz's table and I'm wandering around and uh, making my way over to the area where, uh, where Palmiotti was, I'm walking along and I see the crowd part and there's pictures being taken. And there was this dude there dressed as Thor, as movie Thor. And he was the spitting damn image of Chris Helmsworth that played Thor in the movie and is going to play Thor in the Avengers. Who's taking his picture? Ricky Briganti from the Inside the Magic podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. And as I've, I think I've mentioned before, definitely one of my big inspirations for, for getting into podcasting. So that little photo session wrapped up. And the Thor guy looks over at me and he's like, hey, you want to get a picture? And I'm like, actually, I want to get my picture with Ricky. <laughs> so Ricky's like, looking you know, like, whoa, that was weird. So, you know, I got a picture with him real quick. And then we stood there just, you know, shooting the breeze for, I don't know, like 20 minutes, half an hour. And he was very gracious, very cool. And uh, he's a big geek, too. And it was just a lot of fun. It was It was nice to finally get to talk to him where I wasn't catching him at a total disadvantage because I I had met him one other time and it was an extremely awkward meeting because he had literally just finished running the um, Walt Disney World. I forget exactly what they call it, but it's like a treasure hunt. And it's a grueling experience where he came in. He came in either second or third place and was just, I mean, he looked like he was about to die. But at the time, I mean, it was like I had just moved. I had just started working at at Disney and everything. And I had been hoping to run into him and certain other podcasters that I had idolized for quite a while, you know. 
and I just caught him at the wrong time and it was like it just wasn't a good experience so I was a little bit nervous going up to him again but he was very very cool and it was really nice to talk to him and I, I tell you what man you want a picture of like the professional podcaster that's Ricky, man. You should have seen like the equipment this guy. I'm walking around getting interviews with like my little handheld Sansa, you know, MP3 player. He's got like a. He looked like he was like from the. Evening. He's got a crew with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he didn't have a crew, but I mean, he had like the equipment. You know what I mean? So it, it was it was really cool. Giving me something to shoot for, but he was really really cool. So it was definitely a better experience than oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely than last time. Yeah, absolutely. So Jimmy Palmiotti, and yes. damned if he didn't remember me, which I thought was, I mean, of course, he didn't remember my name or anything, but when I, when I refreshed him a little bit, he remembered us uh, hanging out with him at, at Dragon Con and talking about Jonah Hex and all that, which was, that was really cool. And I had him sign the issues that I was discussing not long ago when we were doing our, our discussion of uh, top five favorite single issues. I had him sign uh, Jonah Hex, this is a second series, of course. 25, 69, and 70, um, what I consider to be like the three best issues of that series. And, and I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal comics. And since he was the inker on uh, that 2005 Hercules book that we had discussed a while ago on the show, I had him sign that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think this was the book I got signed by the most people because not only he did he sign it as the inker, I got... Uh, Frank Thierry, the guy who wrote the book, signed it. And he shocked me by revealing that he's actually done follow-up Hercules. Because I asked him, I said, you know, you, I love this book. Are you ever going to do any more Hercules? And he's like, dude, I did. Where have you been? He had done uh, a book called Wolverine Hercules. Uh, what's the name of that book? Let's see. Hang on a second. Wolverine, Hercules, Myths, Monsters, and Mutants, which is a four-issue series. Now, this spins out of... There was a, a Wolverine and Hercules fight that was in one of those big Marvel Treasury Edition books about the Hulk. And this was just like a little backup throwaway story in the back of it where Wolverine and Hercules fought each other. And apparently he read this story when he was a kid and it made such an impact on him that he'd always kind of wanted to revisit the story. So this was him being able to kind of live out that fantasy and expand that story into an actual four issue miniseries. Haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited to read it. I, I just picked it up and, uh, and I'm really anxious to dig into it because I loved this Hercules series that he did. So it was really cool talking to him and, uh, and he says he's going to continue to do stuff like this in the future. And I got it signed by the artist, who was Mark uh, Texiera, who I was very excited to meet because he was the artist on one of my favorite guilty pleasure comics of all time, which was Hex. Now, Hex, for anybody that doesn't know, this was a series that was a follow-up to the original Jonah Hex series. At the end of Jonah's series, in issue 92, he suddenly disappears from the Old West in a flash of light. And he reappears in Hex number one, where he was abducted to the mid to late, I think it was the mid, 21st century. And it looks very much like Mad Max. And he had been stolen from time by this rich dude who was basically amassing a collection of historical figures 
and Hex gets loose and basically roams the the wasteland as you know a, a, a Mad Max version of his his bounty hunter self. Not a well received series. I liked it. I thought it was really fun. It's you know yeah it's it's dumb. It's a guilty pleasure, but. I got a kick out of it, and damn, I've heard is... nothing but good things about that run. Really? Oh, okay. Because yeah. I've I've always heard it uh, dogged severely. I've never heard anybody else say good things about it, uh, but me, and uh, and I liked it. So good. I'm glad that you've heard good things. Now he was floored that this is what I brought for him to sign, and he told me, and I wish I had this recorded for, as as proof. Um, but I, I wasn't able to, I, I had a problem with my recorder after a certain time and it stopped recording conversations, which sucked because, uh, I, I lost out on, uh, on the biggest conversation that I really wanted to get, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But he was, uh, was floored and touched by the fact that I had brought Hex to sign it. He told me nobody had ever brought him issues of hex to be signed before he said you know he because he asked me he goes did you like this series i said i loved this series i thought it was a lot of fun i thought it was i loved jonah hex and i thought that this was just a really cool idea and he you know so we i was in like flynn once i said that you know so he signs my books which were uh hex number one and then issues 11 and 12 which was where hex met the Batman of the 21st century. Now, this is a, a post-apocalyptic 21st century. And so this was a, a Batman of that era. I like that story. I think it's really cool. And I would love to see this futuristic Batman brought back somehow. Because I, I thought he was a really interesting character. Anyway, so while he's, you know, he, he signs those books and everything. And while we're just standing there, just shooting the breeze and talking about, you know, his work over the years on different series, I start to realize that he's doodling. And he actually made a convention sketch for me, which if you go to my, my Facebook page, you can see it. I, I scanned it and put it up there. And he did a quick convention sketch of Hex. But it's not hex the cowboy hex it's hex the hex from this series the 21st century hex and he autographed it and everything i just i that was awesome for me i've i don't think i've ever gotten a convention sketch before and here it was free i thought that that was really cool um my my only regret was i again i wish i'd had more room to take more books because as I was looking through things to take for different people, I chanced across a book called Fantasy Against Hunger, which is this like incredibly obscure indie book from like the early 80s that was one of those like live aid things, but fundraiser. The, yeah, fundraiser type of things. I mean, I've never seen this book again anywhere. I have no idea where he got where I got it, but he worked on it. And I bet you that would have completely blown him away if I had brought that and said, here, can you sign this? But I didn't because I was short on room and, and these other books were so much more important to me. But uh, if, you know, if I'm so lucky as I get to go again next year and he's back again, I just might have to lay that book on him just to see what he thinks. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I missed somebody while I was talking to um, Jimmy Palmiotti. Sitting right next to him was his good friend. And Mike's and mine too, Dan DiDio, 
Hey, you doing, Scott? How you doing? Thank you, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I've 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 been wanting to be on. Uh, what, what is this show again? I think it, I, you know Jimmy told me about the two two true freaks. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> he sounds just like that too. That's that's the thing. So hearing him talk, I'm trying not to laugh because I'm thinking of your impression that you do. I mean, it's spot on, right? If I ever meet him, I I don't know if I could do it in front of him because that would seem mean. But but it'd be so funny. But it'd be make for some great audio. That would audio. be funny. Yeah. Dan talks to Dan. Dan, it's a really good pleasure to meet you, sir. I've been a I've been a fan for a long time. Get him in the hair metal hero and um and um <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Our other our other buddy there. Um. Paul Spataro. Paul Spataro, and, <laughs> and you could have like yeah, and, and Palmiati. You guys could have a regular like awesome New York City, you know, accent. Well, they, Even they though Hair Metal Heroes got Boston, it would still be the. <laughs> they lived so, in the same building at one point, uh, Palmiati and Didio, uh, like way back in. Oh, the day. You, when I walked up, they were engaged in in some rude discussion that I didn't catch all of it, but I I could tell that it was definitely not. You know, a, a family-friendly discussion, but it, it was very funny just to see them cutting up. You know, um, so last year when I was there, I was standing at a booth talking with Roy Thomas, and DiDio literally just walked up and just butted into our basically just without like a "Hey, do you mind?" or anything, jumped in front of me and just starts talking to Roy like I wasn't even standing there. This was at a time when the 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 thing with Superman was a was a fresh open wound for me. You know, I was I was really still uh, still reeling from that, I guess you'd say. And so when he did that, you know, and and just all the stuff that that was going on with DC and Superman at the time, I mean, I was so tempted to really start shit with him, you know, right there on the spot. But I didn't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? And so I just, I kind of let it go and, and ne- I didn't say anything. But I, I later on, I'm pretty sure we've discussed this before, that it, 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 it stuck in my craw, you know, that, that I, I'd had my shot and I didn't take it, you know, to, to say something. And I didn't. And so then here, here's my opportunity again. And so I'm debating the whole time that Jimmy and I are talking. I keep looking at DiDio thinking, should I say something or shouldn't I? You know, because here's my opportunity, you know, again, you know, it, it, do, I, do I let it go or do I say something? So when, when Jimmy, you know, had, had somebody else he needed to, to, you know, sign things for or what, and, and we, we parted ways, there's nobody at DiDio's table, you know, nobody's there. He's not talking to anybody. He's just kind of hanging out. And I thought, all right, I, you know, I don't want to be a jerk, but I, I've got to say something. So I just went over to him and I, you know, I introduced myself and I shook hands with him and everything. And, uh, and I just asked him, I said, I, I just, you know, I just got to know. I said, you know, when are you guys going to, going to fix Superman? And, uh, and he seemed a little taken aback and he's like, well, what, what do you, you know, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> I said, well, what I mean is, you know, I said, you know, I, I've been in comics a long time. I said, you know, I'm, I'm in my early forties. I said, I just feel like. Like, you guys kind of ran me off. Like, I got nowhere to go. I said, I love this character so much. I said, I'm sorry, dude. I just can't read this new shit you're putting out. I said, you know, it, it, what, do you, what do you got for me? 
And you know, I realized that my presentation wasn't the, the smoothest or the suavest, but you know, he was incredibly gracious. And we actually had a dialogue in, in which I felt like he listened and, and sort of sympathized with my position, but at the very least that, that he understood where I was coming from. And it's like Paul had said, and you know, Paul Spataro had said on one of our shows not long ago, that the man has a way of, of, of talking and for the moment bringing you over to his side. And it's not until you walk away later that you go, wait a minute, I, I didn't really get, I don't really subscribe to that at all. Um, Anakin, what you got to understand is, <laughs> from our perspective, the Jedi are wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It was very much like that. But, you know, he did intrigue me because he told me, and this was the first time I'd heard it, that uh, that Jurgens was going to be coming back to Superman. I had no idea. You know, I have not been keeping up with... Thought you knew? No, I had no idea. So, you know, with, with him saying that, and he said it in, in such a way like he was almost saying, you know, why don't you come back? Why don't you give it a try? Can't guarantee I will, but I'm going to keep an eye out, you know, just to see what what goes on. I'm intrigued. I'll let you know because it had to it had to take some doing, I would think, to get Jurgens to come back to that character after he was just kind of, you know, unceremoniously shown the door at the end of his original uh, time on that character. And so I, I'm intrigued to see how that's all going to work. I, I, I suspect it's going to work out in a very, you know, very much in a uh, you, can, you can't go home again sort of situation. Well, it, it's also a completely different Superman. Um, that's... Uh-huh. No, go ahead. I was going to say that's true, but I, I suspect that eventually... It may take a while to happen, but I suspect that eventually... What happened during the post-burn years on Superman is slowly going to start to happen to this new Superman where the people that aren't really on board with the change will slowly start to circumvent the system and and (laughs) present the Superman that they want as opposed to the the Superman that the company is trying to present. You know what I mean? Well, there's a technical term for that. It's called pulling a wade. Right, yeah, because wasn't it? Who was it on Challengers of the Unknown? That that, that was Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb. Who did yeah. That he, uh, and in fact, if I'm if I'm remembering the story correctly, Elliot S. Magan got fired as an editor because of that. Wow! Uh, because they had Superman in it, and it wasn't the Superman from the time period. And apparently, Mike Carlin had a was very territorial, right, over the use of Superman, which I, you know. If if you're if you've done a major change with a character, you don't want other people who don't agree with that circumventing you, as you said, you know, in other books. So you kind of keep a tight control over it. I see why he was uh, why he was like that. If I'm correct in this assumption, um, and Jeff Loeb did that. Apparently, Mark Wade made like a game of it um, in Secret Origins by constantly like sneaking Superboy into the Legion stories that they write. Which is just funny. I think. But uh, I'm looking forward to Jurgens back on it, because it's Jurgens and Keith Giffen. Oh, wow. You know, and, and, but oddly enough, their first villain are the Daemonites from Wildcats, the image book. 
what? So yeah, the the image characters are, are, or at least the Wildstorm characters, have been kind of fully integrated into this new DC universe. So the first big villain that Superman's going to fight in their run is the Daemonites. Wow. Yeah, it, it it does feel like like I was betrayed somewhere along the way. <laughs> not me personally. Well, me personally, but not really. But really. But I I just want to I just want to be clear about one thing that that I I don't think so anyway. I don't I don't think I was I was rude. I don't think I was a, I was a dick. You know, I I tried very much not to be one of those people. I I just wanted to to air my feelings to the guy and he was nothing but uh but gracious about it and so it was it was was pretty cool i I felt better that i had actually held my peace last year when i was not prepared to play nice and waited till this year when you know i i could i could calmly you know talk to the guy and and he was cool he was not the villain i expected him to be you know what i mean and and we talked about this on the recent crisis counseling because God knows we were trying to talk about anything but the book we had to cover. God, yes. Um, you know these Joe Casada, Dan DiDio, you know anybody who's in a, a position of authority at either DC or Marvel over the past ten years has been vilified by our fellow comic book fans, and I'm not saying that the fans are wrong in feeling the way they do. I'm not even saying to a certain extent it's wrong that they express themselves in the way they do, except when they get like truly personal or threaten physical violence, which is just unacceptable right? on all levels. Uh, but on the other hand, to play devil's advocate, and because I, I, I am very much a moderate, which I know drives Scott crazy probably sometimes, <laughs> um, they've got an incredibly hard job. Oh yeah, of, absolutely. Of maintaining a, a you know a major comic book company when comic books, even though they've been doing better than they were, say in the night in the late nineties, it's still a, kind of a dying medium, and they've got to put it it's, out there. It's a no-win situation. Yeah. Truly, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Even if they're very successful, if, if they were very successful and somehow started making a lot of money, now they would still step on toes and piss people off to do it. You know, so. Yeah. Yep. On the other hand, they are bringing their own personal agendas to the table. You know, DiDio said in one of his DC Nation columns that one of the first things he wanted to do when he got to DC and was made executive editor was to bring back Hal and Barry because those are the Green Lantern and the Flash that he likes. But at the same time... People in previous generations, you know, including the people that I really like and loved growing up, had their own personal agendas to bring into a story that the fans of that time period didn't agree with it. So it, it's it's the cyclical nature of comics is that every 15, 10 to 15 years or so, the worm turns and suddenly one group is like, hey, and another group is like, yay. So it's... it. it <laughs> the only thing to do is just not pay attention to fandom for about 10 years and eventually your opinion will become popular again. <laughs> That's absolutely true. It is. That's in almost any almost any yeah. arena actually <laughs> that you choose. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to start a new segment with our shows. Something along the lines, uh, I, 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 the name I have in mind would be something like Taunt the British Guy. Because Ooh. now it's be like time. a dunking booth with Andrew Leyland in it or something? Kind of, yeah, because I know that he is just going to eat his heart out over this. I got to meet and got signed, uh, signatures rather, by Phil Hester on the Bionic Man 1 through 4. He was a very nice guy to talk to, very gracious and uh, very excited for the work he's doing. And uh, I'll play a little clip here so you guys can hear what he had to say about the book. And, uh, and Scott, Gates- I don't know what you're doing promoting this Kevin Smith shit, but... Yeah, dude. <laughs> what up? Yo. Dude, you got your nose so far up up Kevin Smith's ass, it's just ridiculous, man. Yeah, whatever. You can probably smell Jason Mew's... Loving this series. Oh, awesome. I Thank think you. it's great. Good I don't know. know why they have this weird setup. <laughs> co-host a podcast and a friend of mine that does a podcast over in the UK yeah. we teamed up right. recently yeah, and we did a whole episode raving about oh, wow. six what's million dollar man and then what's the podcast uh, two true freaks cool we had uh, promised to get together in the in the future and cover uh, later issues because I think it was only up to four that we covered on the show. If you ever want to give me a drop me a line, go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have a business um, card by the chance? I gave them all away, but you can... Um, I'm on Twitter. It's just my name on Twitter. Oh, I'm Phil Hester. Just so for Phil Hester on Twitter. We would so, love to have you. Yeah, you love send to send me a message and I'll... Absolutely. I'll, you know, get back to you. Loving it. That's right, great. Awesome. Thank you. It's proud and you have it in the hill. Thank you so much. Glad to hear somebody's enjoying it. Oh, it's awesome. How are the uh, sales, if you don't mind my asking? Good. Uh, not, not as good as Green Hornet was, but I, Green Hornet had a movie coming out that year. I asked only because we're worried about, you know, that was our concern right out of the gate, was that it wasn't going to last. They've got me plotting up to issue 20. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's great news. Yep. So I, would, I wouldn't worry. And there's... You want some breaking news? There's spinoffs playing. So I know that they were going to do a uh, uh, Bionic Woman. Right. Uh, are you going to have any hand in that one? I know the writer. Um, he's a friend of mine. He's actually a college buddy. Um, but uh, no, I'm not going to have a hand in that book directly. But um, they're going to. There's some upcoming events in the Bionic Man book that I'm writing that are going to spin off into their own one shots. So. <laughs> That I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, as I say, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. We would love to have you. We, we did. It was basically, I think we did two, two and a half hours, and it was just us gushing over the book, essentially. So. No, I'd be happy to come on. We'd be delighted. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to meet you, sir. Yeah, thanks. Take care. So, we come to the main event at last. And, man, I wish I had been able to bring more comics uh, for this guy to sign. And my my one big uh, big regret walking away from uh, from MegaCon is that my stupid MP3 player lost the whole file I recorded with him. But I'm not sure it would have come out anyway. I, I do have a snippet from that file, and his voice is so quiet. I'm not sure that you would have been able to make out anything. As a matter of fact, I, I, I've really been thinking about this in the future. 
And I, I think this is what I'm gonna gonna do from now on. Any donations that that come to the show and 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 any, you know, we end up we always end up divvying up, you know, the donations to the show. But any any donations made in the future, my portion of it, I think I'm going to start saving for a quality microphone that uh, that I can take in the field, so to speak, for uh, for things like this. Yeah. I can get us some some quality Dude, audio from conventions get, and such in the future. Get something like I got. Yeah, you know, exactly. Get something like I got because then you can do real recording. With, you could do real sound effect recording. You could do whatever you want. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's definitely a, that's definitely a mission. But uh, the main thing that, that got me to get off my ass and go to Megacon this year was the presence of Nick Cardi. And I, I know I've already told this story, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but uh, I, I'm not kidding. I know I make a frequent joke of, of saying this, but in this particular case, I swear to God, I'm not kidding. I thought Nick Cardi was dead. I, I know that may sound really... I, <laughs> That's going to be... We've had a listener suggest that that be a regular segment of the show. I thought they were dead. We could do that because I saw... Who was it? Just last night, it happened to me again where there was some some news story and I was like, Jesus, he's still... Oh, it was... uh, Oh, what's his name? Um, He was in North by Northwest. He was the bad guy's henchman. Um, Landau? Is it Martin Landau? Oh, Martin Landau's been winning Oscars and stuff lately. I thought that dude was dead. He looks up for the Oscars. I mean, he looks like he's like 180 years old. But anyway. I think he is, but he's still acting his ass off. (laughs) Anyway. Now, I I feel a little bit justified in in what I said about Nick Cardi because while we were talking, he did say that he's – he either said he is a hundred or he's about to turn a hundred. That's what he said. Now he may have been exaggerating, but that's what he said. So it made me feel a little bit better. Now, of course, I did not tell him that. Oh, dude, I thought you were dead. But I, I really, I don't. I, you know, have I when, paid good money. Have you ever seen, <laughs> stop it? I mean, have you ever seen this guy on a on a convention list anywhere? I didn't know he appeared anywhere. I mean, he hasn't done any work in years. What's oh, been a while? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I hadn't seen it, but uh, I I was very excited for him being there. the The funny thing about Nick Cardi for me is that I never cared much for his interior work. You know, he did uh, he did Teen Titans, and he did uh, Batlash. I mean, he's done a a lot of stuff, but I mean, those were the things I always most associated him for with with his interior work. I didn't dislike it, but I, it just, you know, it wasn't really my bag. I, I think a lot of it was just the, the material, not so much his art, was just the characters he was working on and, and the stories and stuff didn't really appeal to me. But his cover work, I mean, his Superman covers from the early 70s, I mean, these are pieces of my childhood. These are some of the earliest images I can remember seeing as a kid. And so I, I, I managed to, to weed myself down to just four books that I took to have him sign. And they were all just really important books to me, but probably the most important one, just for purely sentimental reasons, is uh, Action Comics number 430. Now, I'll try to set the cover up for you. It's an image of 344 Clinton Street. You've got the uh, doorman standing you know, underneath the awning, as Superman goes flying into his apartment window and he says, time for me to resume my secret identity. Oh, yeah. 
Above him is this weird-looking, like, human salamander creature flying out of a window, saying, another night for me to go on the prowl. Why did I take this one? Well, when I used to go, when we first moved back to New York when I was a kid. Now, see, I don't, I never remembered living in New York. My earliest memories were of living in Florida, where we lived until I was around seven years old, and then we moved back when my parents split up. And so... I didn't remember like my my grandparents or anything and I remember we went back and we started going frequently over to my my grand my gardener grandparents' house and they had a lot of kids you know and they they had so many kids that they went from like my dad's age my dad was the oldest male down to Randy who was my age and so all my older uncles had, you know, they were all into comics. So there was always a stack of comic books around at my grandparents' house. And right outside their front door on the porch area, there was always this giant stack of comics. And it was always, you know, it was the classics, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, you know, all this stuff. And for years, I've been chasing comics from that stack based purely on covers that I remembered. I didn't know the issues. I didn't even know the titles, but I remembered what the comics, you know, what the covers look like in my mind's eye. So I've been trying to track down a lot of those old issues. This was one of them. I just always loved this cover. And so it was just so cool to get it signed by the guy that actually drew it. You know, I mean, it just really meant a lot to me. Um, Another one was uh, Action Comics 439, which again was another one of the earliest Superman comics I can remember reading. And this is a freaky cover. It's uh, this man and a woman in a rowboat are being kind of washed back by this giant wave of Superman being punched up out of the ocean by this big hairy arm. It's a goofy cover and it's one wacky ass story because it turns out to be um, a Captain Strong story that has something to do with like this alien caveman or something. I mean, it's a goofy story, but it's a great cover. Uh, Action Comics 445, one of my all-time favorite Superman covers. You've got hip uh, Lois Lane. I mean, she's wearing a very 70s outfit. She actually looks a lot like uh, when Wonder Woman briefly went to the new Wonder Woman look where she didn't actually have a costume. She had like a, what did they call it? It wasn't really a leisure. leisure. Like a power suit? or a suit, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so she actually looks more like Wonder Woman than Lois Lane. But there's this uh, rickety wooden fence behind her that splits the page. And on one side, you've got Superman flying towards her saying, just in time. And on the other side of the fence, you've got Superman again saying to keep my date with Lois Lane. I don't remember Ah. what this is about, but I love this cover i i couldn't even tell you why it's just because i it's it's a flash of two worlds cover it is it's very much a flash of two worlds cover but it's just again it's just it's from my childhood and so it means something to me even though i really don't remember what the story was about lastly is superman number 274 this is just an awesome cover and it's hard to describe without it sounding really bizarre but You've got this space scene, right? And the Earth is in the background. Superman is reaching out to us, the reader. And his legs are being 
ex- like like elongated, like almost like he's plastic man. I've seen this one. He's sucked yep. back into the earth. His uh, left arm is reaching out, grabbing a hold of the U in the Superman logo and crushing it to powder. As he reaches out, pleading, he says, Reader, help me. I can't hang on much longer. Save me from being pulled through the earth or you will be next. It's a great cover. And it was just one of these really powerful covers from when I was a kid. And uh, and I, I can't tell you just what it means to me to, to, to hold that in my hand and have it you know signed to me by the, by the artist. It's just awesome. It was just such a thrill for me to meet this guy. And as much as I regretted, <laughs> for the second year in a row, I didn't get to meet Stan Lee. This was right up there on that level for me. That, you know, that, you know, here, here's this artist from, you know, from, from so far back who's done just an incredible body of work. And, and I actually got to, to spend a few minutes to talk to him and just, you know, shake his hand and say thank you. You know, thanks for, for producing some of the great comics of, of my childhood, you know, it, it was really cool. And he was such a, just a sweet old guy, you know, he had some, some very nice stories to tell some, some cute little off color stories that I'm so sad got, got lost on the, uh, you know, in the recording, but, uh, really cool. I really, really wanted to take Superman 276 for him to sign, which I didn't even realize it until I looked it up, but he did the cover on that one too. And that's that classic Superman and Captain Thunder racing towards each other over that beach. It, it, you know, Captain Thunder was a stand-in for Captain Marvel before DC really was able to use that character. Great cover, great issue, but I didn't realize it until I dug it out of my collection. My copy of that is whipped, and I would have been so embarrassed to take such a ratty-ass comic Oh no! It's called well loved. It's yeah, called well loved. Look it's... at that! And go wow! You really liked this. Yeah, Dude, that's that are, wow! You bought this out of the shit pile. <laughs> it was yeah. That's what it looked like too. I mean, no, I mean, there's a difference. I mean, because the ones, th- these four that I did get signed, they're not in mint condition by any stretch. But there's a difference between wow, this is well, well worn and well loved, and wow, this is just you know, <laughs> crap, you know? shit. Yeah. And it's, yeah. My copy of two seventy six is just completely beat to hell. Just to, uh, just to tell you, Scott, I am, uh, working on a petition to the, uh, overstreet people that whip to shit actually end up in the <laughs> grading, you know, like, let's say WTS on the near mint, very fine. And then yes, at the very bottom WTS, I think we should have, Poor replaced you know, replace poor with whipped to whip shit. To shit. Yes. <laughs> I, I I'm totally on board with that movement. And below that would be torn a new asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the cover of oh yes, the, the other one I, I had considered taking was a Superman 282, which is the one of Superman He's standing on the front of an airplane and chucking the guy out of it. And the guy's saying, oh, you know, something like, oh, my God, Superman's gone apeshit and he's throwing me to my death or something. That's a classic uh, Nick Cardi cover as well. But you, I, you know what we should do? What's that? We, we should all pitch in and, ha- and get uh, commission, if he's still doing commissions, 
Nick Cardi doing like throwing you into the having into Superman the throw you into the sun. <gasps> like get your picture, send it to him, and say you know this is for him. With bald me cover. dressed as Lex Luthor with a jetpack floating next to him, going yes now. Me is the, the prankster, <laughs> dude. You would you would make. You that would be awesome because you Make know Mr. Mixel pl- Mi- Mixel shits. Or something. <laughs> if uh, if he does commissions, because I I am gonna regret for the rest of my life that I didn't take advantage of um, Gene Colan doing commission. I mean, Gene Colan did commissions right up until he died, and I knew it, and I had his address and everything, and just never got around to it. And I'm always gonna regret that because I tell you, one of my biggest geek outs at this thing, they had uh, page 23 of the Phantom Zone number one there. Now that's that page where Superman is streaking through Metropolis and there's a city bus that stopped and an old woman's getting out and like crowding people out of her way so that she can catch a glimpse of Superman. And then the it, it's only two panels. That's like the top half of the page. It's a beautiful thing. It, it looks like it's almost right out of Superman the movie, the, the angle of it. And then the bottom panel is Superman landing very Christ-like on the top of Charlie Queskel's apartment building. Yeah. It's a beautiful shot. I know exactly. That page was there for sale at at Megacon. And uh, I was just like, oh my God, you know? How much was that for sale? I didn't didn't even dare ask because it would just break my heart to to, (laughs) be able to get it. But it was, I mean, just to touch it was awesome because I... You know, I mean, that's the the weird thing about it is they only had that one page. But if I was ever going to want a page from that series, that would be one of like the top five pages I would want, you know, because it was. I'd want the one of uh, Ursa skinny dipping. Yeah. that uh, Just a just a phenomenal, phenomenal series. Um, all, to my knowledge, only one person of, of like the major people that were supposed to be there didn't make it, and that was Sheldon Maldoff, which was kind of a shame because Logan took a couple of uh, of books to get signed by him. He has uh, Mike. Remember a couple of years ago when DC was doing some really really classy reprints of some of those old um, I don't know if you'd call them eighty page giants or what they were, but you know they they had like the yeah. Um, like there was the Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes one, and they, you know they had like the glossier, like almost like a cardboard cardboard stock cover, but yeah. they were really nice reprints that looked pretty much like the original books. You know the ones I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And Logan had several of those, and a bunch of them had um, stories in them by uh, by Shelley Maldoff, and he wanted to take those and get them signed, but for some reason he I think it was health reasons he wasn't able to make it. Um, and then for all the stuff that all the people I got to see and all the stuff I did get signed, believe it or not, there were still a few people that, uh, by my own choice, I, I, I skipped on meeting just because this was a lot of running around. You know, this was a lot of, you know, crisscrossing the floor and, and having to wait, you know, on lines and things like that. So you kind of had to pick and choose, but I got all the big people that I really wanted to meet. But there were a couple other people that were just kind of on my list that, uh, that I didn't get time for. Um, one of them was Darwin Cook, 
who admittedly I'm not the biggest fan of, but I really enjoyed the two issues that he did on Jonah Hex, and I had taken those to get signed if I got a chance to to see him, which I didn't. Um, Chuck Dixon was there, and I felt so bad because I like the guy. I've enjoyed his work, had no idea what I should take, and the only thing that occurred to me to take to have him sign, I thought could have been misinterpreted as really dickish, which was Superman meets the motorsports champions. <laughs> he wrote that book and it's horrible, but it's one of those like funny, horrible, you know, like Superman meets the quick bunny or something. I think it would have been a lot of fun, but if I was going to take something like that to get signed, then I'd want to take an awesome book to get signed too. So that he doesn't think that you're just being a dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. So I, I didn't, but, uh, like any of his Robin work, you know, I you've didn't got... think I didn't think of Robin until later. And I kicked myself because I, yeah, I got to thinking, God, I love that. I, for, I forgot about him writing Robin, to be honest with you. Um, Paul Gillespie was there. And I felt bad about not at least going up and talking to him. And this will probably sound really petty. You know what the biggest reason I didn't was? He stole your girlfriend? (laughs) Well, besides that. Kicked your dog? Besides that, I still have never quite gotten over Batman Outlaws. Did you guys ever read that? No, I never heard of it. (laughs) What a piece of shit. What? <laughs> don't, don't candy coat it. Scott. I'm not going to hold really back. Do. That book was atrocious. And well, candy coated shit is in some ways worse than just regular shit. I bet you could market that though. You know. Yeah. Um, Alex Saviak was there, and I felt bad that I didn't go up and and at least talk to him too. But the book that I most wanted to have him sign would have been a real pain in the ass to take. And I, I was afraid that it would get all mangled and ruined, which was the parallel lives, um, graphic novel all about, uh, uh, Peter and Mary Jane. I thought that'd be a really good book to have him sign, but because it was a weirder size than anything else I was taking with me, I was just afraid it would get damaged. And I've only got the one copy of it. Um, Arnie star was there. And he has uh, actually done, let me see, I had a list here somewhere of some of the stuff that he had worked on. Oh, he did a, he did a issue of Infinity Inc. He worked on the Inf- Infinity Inc. special. He worked on uh, that two-part Legion of Superheroes story I was just talking about, the greatest uh, hero of them all, the, the Death of Superboy story, and, and some other stuff. So it would have been nice to, to see him, but I just didn't, I didn't. I actually never even saw him there, so... Uh, but I, I just didn't get time. But there was uh, some other people. Brian Stelfreeze, uh, Carl Story, uh, Billy Tucci was there. And uh, his art, he did a, I think it was a cover for Jonah Hex that was just, if, I, if I'm thinking of the right cover, it was the one where it, it looks like an old-timey photograph of Hex standing and he's got like a, like a barmaid, like a Miss Kitty type in his arms. But it looks like an old photograph, and that that was just a gorgeous cover. I think is that is that a modern one or recent yeah, it's one? A modern one, yeah. I think you s- might have sent that one to me. It sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah, gorgeous. Carl Story. I forget what he did exactly. I think he's an inker. Yes. And he worked on Star Trek: Dead of Honor, which was a fabulous uh, uh, graphic novel uh, from quite a ways back. But uh, yeah, there was uh, lots of other people there. Um, the only other one that I took books for 
and just didn't get time to. I saw him, but every time I went over to him, he had a line. Was uh, Pablo Marcus, and man, that guy has been a hell of a, a prolific inker over the years. And I was having trouble just narrowing myself down to stuff that I'd want him to take, or you know, want him to sign for me. And I, I'm pretty sure that I actually did end up taking. Um, there was a one of those little Star Wars trade or not trades but it's like a star wars paperback reprint that reprinted some of like the uh, marvel uk stuff i know it has the story in it the day after the death star and he worked on that i was going to have him sign that and he also worked on like contest of champions and uh one of my favorite marvel two-in-one stories stuff like that and I, i had taken a lot of that stuff with me i just i you know again never got the time and what's funny is, uh, you know, they had all these big media people there too, and I didn't, I didn't make the time for any of that. But I wasn't really big on the media thing anyway. The only one of those that I regret, you know, beyond Stan Lee, of course, was uh, was Tim Russ. I really wanted a chance to to meet Tim Russ, and and I didn't even see him there. But every time I ventured over to the media area. It was just crazy, crazy busy and, and congested. And it was tough to tell like where lines were and and what stars were behind what lines and stuff. And I just wasn't going to deal with all that nonsense. So I didn't. But, uh, you know, no regrets. I mean, I, I, it was just a hell of a time. And, and it was just so awesome to, to meet and get to talk to so many of these people. And again, you know, the costumes were phenomenal. There was a guy there in a in a Solomon Grundy outfit that I got my picture taken with that just was a trip. Cause Did he, he want pants too. <laughs> he, I asked him if he knew about that and he said, Oh yeah. He goes, I've been getting that all day long. He said, so I thought that was really funny, but he looked cool. Cause he looked like he had just walked right out of like, you know, the, the challenge of the super friends or something. That was really cool. It's a great looking, uh, Nova, uh, cost, you know, a guy in a Nova costume that was really cool, uh, with working lights and the whole nine yards, uh, Nightwing, Dr. Fate, Iron Man. There were actually a couple of different Iron Mans, but the Iron Man we saw just as we were actually leaving the convention was, that was amazing. I mean, if this guy made that, that outfit all by himself, it was, uh, he, he deserves a job with, with Hollywood or something. Cause it was just wild, you know, actual metal and everything which was pretty cool. I was uh, I was surprised by the amount of boobage at this thing. Really? Really? There's <laughs> usually a good amount of that. There's a lot of ladies who this, daddy didn't pay attention to them. I know, but I mean, this one <laughs> last year was, was fairly tame. I mean, this isn't Dragon Con. This one's touted as, you know, family-friendly, bring the kids. You know, kids get in for free and that sort of thing. Kids love boobs, too. I know, but I mean, I was just surprised. And, uh, you know, because it was... I mean, you could definitely tell that that some standards had slipped between last year and this year. I mean, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm just saying it kind of surprised me that that there was so much more of it this year. And uh, not only was there, was there some boobage, there was some nipplage out there too. So I was surprised <laughs> I, uh, that. I, I want to take a moment to recognize the the what just happened here. Um, never again in the history of any of the two true freaks show. Will there be a unison like just happened with Chris and I? Said that because not only did we both go really, it was at the exact same time. It was a, It was. I guess that's just the right timing for for really. 
So, but you know, I'm I'm proud of myself. I never spent any money while I was, you know, of course I bought a ticket and I, and I had to pay. I'm for sure pl- the folks at Megacon really love that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I contribute, I bought my ticket and, you know, I paid for parking and, and we got lunch while we were out and about, but, uh, see next year you should try to get in free and, and I, yeah, well, definitely. That's one of the, one of the, you know, in the, in the, uh, interest of full disclosure, that's one of the reasons for this show is, you know, let's throw it out there as, uh, you know, let them know that we'll give them full coverage if they'll give me free admission. So, yeah, there you go. I, I can't make any promises, but I was thinking about this, is that maybe next year uh, for a vacation, since Rachel and I have been talking of going to Disney anyways, that maybe February is the month to go, and maybe, like, right around the time of MegaCon. Dude. That way, not only could we experience Disney, but we could experience MegaCon as well. Do you have a laptop, Mike? Yes, I do. You could do a podcast from from there, you know? Yes. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Because I really wish you guys could have come well, down. Well, like if you get like podcaster passes, there's probably some podcaster alley, right? Where they all set up and everybody yeah, does their shows. and they can talk to anybody. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but podcaster alley is a good... It, having a pass to podcaster alley means if you get a hot interview with somebody, you could take, a, you could take them right over there and have a place to sit them down and... That's true. And then again, then there's the people who are coming there to see you guys. That's true. But I mean, I, I would want the freedom to be able to go roam the floor, you know, and not be tied yeah. to a booth. Cause but you there, could do something that would say, we'll be at Podcaster's Alley between this time and this time to meet people. And then that becomes an event for you, you know, because that's right. where, you know, that's where you'll have a place where people know they can find you at some certain point. Right. That's true. But I tell you, you know, I, I I didn't buy anything, but you know, you you see tons of stuff at something like this that you know, you're like oh, that'd be awesome to have, or oh, I wish I had the money for that. Um, but the only thing that actually caught my eye that that I had strongly considered buying, and now I regret that I didn't shell out for was uh, they had some individual issues, and then they also had the uh, the the collected trade. For something called Redneck Red, which just looks hilarious to me. And the art was beautiful. Did you guys get the image I sent you of the of the cover to this? Yes. I saw it on Facebook, I think. And I was like, that's weird, because I thought Scott like hated rednecks, but it might also was it like a parody of rednecks? I think it's kind of a yeah, poking, you know, poking fun. Uh Uh-huh. But that image, does that not look like George Perez? I mean, yes, it does. Gorgeous on that. And it just, as I was wandering past the booth, and this was the booth for Fierce Comics, which you can see it, it's at uh, www.fiercecomics.com. And uh, I saw that, and it just caught my eye, and I picked it up, and I was flipping through it. And uh, I, I'm going to have to come back to this at some point, because it looked really phenomenal. I love the art, and I, I'm just curious about this, because it was, the guy described it to me, it was, uh, it was uh, a, like a radioactive redneck. <laughs> <laughs> went, is there any other kind? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and he said, you know, something, he said something to the effect of, you know, have you ever heard of a, you know, radioactive retina? And I was like, dude, I spent 18 years in Georgia. You know, it's like, yeah, pretty much. You know? <laughs> but uh, it just, it sounded really intriguing. It sounded like a lot of fun. And uh, I wish I had picked it up now. So I, I'm going to definitely have to he's, check that out. He's probably radiated from eating tainted, um, 
cheese and meat food that you threw out on his yard back in the day. And now it gonna, all comes yep, around. Now I'm going to have to make sure that, that that makes it into the show at some point <laughs> so they know what the hell we're talking about. Um, and then Logan, he spent the entire convention. He was hunting for some. I didn't even know he was looking for this, but he's r- hunting a Red Hulk figure and and could never find one that was really? like halfway affordable so yeah keep that in mind <laughs> that sounds like uh like um lauren green's last of the wild wild kingdom episode <laughs> hunting the red hulk figure <laughs> so here we have the red hulk figure in his natural environment <laughs> so for me smashing <laughs> For me, Mech- 2012 gets a uh, gets a glowing uh, recommendation, a two two big thumbs up, and uh, I, I definitely want to go again next year. Although I learned some uh, I learned some real lessons this year. The biggest one is, you know, I, I had a I had a serious Scarlett O'Hara moment during this show, which was, you know, I wanted to fall to my knees and be like, you know, as God is my witness, I'll never be late again because I'm not dealing with that craziness again next year. You know, I, it sucked to be late, and then you, know, you got to wait in the long lines. So I'm next year. I'm going to have my ticket well in advance, and just the whole. The, I'm not going to do it 11th hour again like I did this time. But uh, also, I, I want to take it, try to take it slower and easier, and just you know make a lot more time for for interviews and that sort of thing next year because it, it was a lot of rushing around and being hurried and being hectic. But I, I had a blast. It was such a lot of fun, and I, I really wish you guys could have. Uh, you know, could have come along for the rides. So maybe next year, if we could put something together, that would be awesome. That would be a lot of fun. I had a quick follow-up, and I thought Mike would get a real kick out of this. So I'm at work last week, and at the moment, I'm working uh, graveyard shift. And I was working uh, with this lady I work with. Her name is Kathy. Sweet lady. And we're talking, and out of the blue, she asked me, she goes, so did you go to Megacon? Or I, I think she said, I heard you went to Megacon. And I thought, oh, God, here it comes, you know. And I thought she was going to, you know, start ripping on me or something. And I was like, yeah. And, you know, I said it very tentatively, like, yeah, where are you going with that? And she goes, uh, did you happen to see Barbara Kiesel? She goes, do you know who she is? And I said, yeah, I know who she is. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell do you know who she is? You know? <laughs> And she goes, uh, she goes, you you know her? And I said, yeah. I said, I know her. I said, uh, I met her when uh, when her and her husband Carl were just dating. And she said, uh, she said, you won't believe this, but now I'm trying to remember. God, I want to get my story straight. Either she and her husband were in Carl and Barbara's wedding, or Carl was in her and her husband's wedding. Anyway, her and her husband and Carl are like super like like best buddies yeah best buddies and i'm thinking what are the freaking odds of this you know what are the odds of this and so you know we we ended up having this big discussion she's basically telling me the whole story of you know being friends with these folks and it was just it was so weird it was so awesome because kathy does not look the part of like a, a geek girl at all uh, you never know where the geeks are anymore. And and it, yeah, exactly. And it turns out her her husband had run a comic shop um, somewhere in in upstate New York. I forget where she said now. A place I think I've been to, but I can't. I it's, I don't think it's around anymore. I forget what she said. The name of it was. 
But anyway, I just thought, again, you know, what are the odds of this, you know? And so we were talking about like Ithacons and, you know, just all the people that we knew, uh, you know, in the same geek circles of, of Carl and, and Barbara Kiesel and, you know, the work that she had worked on prior to, uh, you know, marrying Carl, like when she had worked on the, the Batgirl special and all, just all, you know, so I'm having this like serious, intense geek discussion with this woman that, you know who she looks like? Seriously, she looks like, uh, uh, Mike, I know you'll remember. Remember when they finally revealed, when Byrne finally revealed what Jimmy Olsen's mother looked like? Oh my gosh, she's that hot? That's what she looks like. That's what she looks like. But I mean, does that woman look? I mean, she doesn't look like like a like a nerd mom to you, does she? No. Yeah, and that's what. She, <laughs> it, it was just. It's. It he says with so lust in his voice. Weird, you know. Jimmy's so, mom has so, got it going. On. <laughs> so for one thing, I you get a real kick out of out of that, you know, out of that story. But also. It turns out that, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I really owe you an apology because she said that their name is pronounced Kiesel. I've always said it was Kessel. I've insisted all these years that it was Kessel. Because you like the Kessel run better. Well, no, I, I swear when I met them and it was at a it was at a uh, it wasn't at an Ithacon that I met them. It was at a, a convention in, in Syracuse. At, I think it was at the Hotel Syracuse. I don't even know if it was related to comics. I think it might have been a Star Trek convention. Anyway, they were introduced as the Kessels. Or he was. Anyway, they were. I don't think they were married yet at the time. But he was introduced as Carl Kessel. And when I met him and spoke with him and all that, it, that was the name that everybody was using was Kessel. So he, evidently, he was just too nice a guy to correct anybody. Well, I told you about meeting him and the fact that he says that, you know, he says it's Kiesel, but in his own family, there are people that say Kessel. Mm-hmm. So apparently these people can't get it straight either. I, I think this must have been a matter of, you know, he doesn't make a big deal about it. You know, somebody misspoke it at the convention and he just didn't bother to correct anybody. But that had always stuck all these years that, you know, that, that was his name. That's how I had met him. That's, that was the name he was using at the time. And, you know, <laughs> I felt like I, well, I'm right in this situation. Well, as it turns out, I, I wasn't. And so I just wanted to say, sorry, if I, you know, sounded all Mr. Know-it-all about that, but I just thought that that was so we're used to it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Ask Mr. Know-it-all. That was out loud. I apologize. <laughs> So anyway, that was uh, that was MegaCon 2012, and uh, I thought it was awesome. Glad you had a good time, dude. Well, thanks for letting me run off at the mouth all about it and brag, 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 because it was a lot of fun. Gloat, okay. gloat, gloat, brag, brag, brag. <laughs> so, Logan, what did you think of MegaCon 2012? Very awesome. And it, by the way, um, well, not really, by the way, um, I have a mint in my mouth just to let you know, so if you think I'm talking funny, it's just because... So what, uh, what was your favorite part? What did you think was cool? I think all of it was cool. <laughs> I didn't think it was as crowded this year, did you? Not really, no. I mean, it was crowded, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Because I liked your comment about... Uh, 
I think, would you say something like, I think everybody's here or something like that? The entire world. The <laughs> entire here. world is here. There were, I mean, there were a lot of people, but I did, I still didn't think it was near as busy as last year. Because last year, I mean, it takes a lot to kind of freak me out, but I got freaked out in that part where there was like basically four different lanes coming into one intersection and it got so crowded that nothing was moving and nobody was moving. I always get worried that some wise ass is going to yell fire or something and then, you know, I mean, that could be an ugly scene, you know, and all I could, all I could envision was like a stamp, you know, like a panic stampede and you getting run over or something, you know, it just makes me nervous, so... I'm glad that it was not near that level of congestion this year. So, that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Uh, I couldn't tell if they opened more space. Yeah, they did. Is that what it was? They just, they made the space it, bigger? It, it did seem more roomier. Yeah, it did. But I couldn't tell if it was, if it was more room or there were less people. Because it didn't seem like there were really less people, but it did seem like it wasn't near as congested. But uh, I thought it was cool. I, I thought there were some great costumes. Um, oh, yeah. Like the Iron Man suit we saw. That, yeah, just as real even. Yeah, awesome. that was great. Yeah, that guy did an outstanding job. Because we had been looking at one just a few minutes before that. Remember, and that one, when you got close enough to it, you could tell it was it was homemade and not out of metal. It was made out of, what, would, what like, like cardboard, cardboard or something? Or... But it was nice. And, but then as we were actually walking out the door, that one actually looked like fiberglass or metal or something. It, yeah. That looked, it looked good. It lo I mean, it looked like movie quality. It was really good, really nice. Um, I was a little bit surprised that the, the, I don't know what you want to call it, the decency standards or, or whatever seemed to have slipped a bit this year. I thought, I thought that the, the girls were a little more Dragon Con than MegaCon this year because, uh, you know, oh, I'm yeah. not necessarily complaining because, you know, I mean, I, you know, I like the girls, but at Remember the same you're rate, married. It, well, I mean, it's just a matter of what I liked about MegaCon last year was that I could bring you and I didn't have to worry about what you were going to see. This year was a little more concerning, you know, I mean. This is true. But, uh, I mean, I was surprised by how many little, little kids were there. But again, you know, this was a, a convention that has been touted as being you know, family friendly and all that, and, uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised by some how, by how some of the girls were dressed, but, uh. Yeah, to, some of the girls were, like, wearing, like, really skinny dresses. But, uh, I, I was just, I was really thrilled that the, the creators, most everybody that we wanted to see was there, and they were very accessible, they were nice. I mean, was there? We didn't have a bad experience, did we? I can't think of anybody that was like rude or short with us or anything like that. I mean, everybody was really engaging. Um, Paul Pelletier was a little distracted, I thought, but I mean, he wasn't rude or anything. He was just, I don't know, maybe he was shy. Maybe that might be the best way to. He almost acted like he was, you know, like, well, you know, he wasn't like gregarious like some of the other people were. You know, where they talk your ear off or. You know, he, he was a little more reserved. So maybe he's shy or something. I don't know. But, I mean, he was happy to, you know, he signed my book and all that, which I was thrilled about. But he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't one to stand there and, and, you know, he wasn't much for the chit-chat, I guess I should say. Um, 
thought the prices were high. I mean, we didn't we didn't buy anything, did we? We never no. bought a thing. Except for food, parking, and something. Yeah, my ticket. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I I had a blast. You know, I it, it's cool because last year I, I you know I walked away very much like. Well, I like that, but I don't know if I'll go again next year, you know, kind of thing. Whereas this, this was a much more positive experience. But uh, I know one thing, I learned a very uh, harsh lesson that I think I should have learned last year, but just didn't, which is you need to get your ass up and get there on time. And I definitely want to buy my ticket ahead of time next. I know last time I had bought the ticket ahead of time, this time just because of, you know, reality and finances and everything and and also not really being sure up until the last minute that I was really going to be able to come I I hadn't purchased my ticket so we had to wait in line that line was that was like a space mountain line wasn't yeah, it that was that was, crazy that was long like, it was, moved fast though yeah it was at least like 20 to 30 minutes I think it was 30 minutes but I mean it looked like when you got when we got in that line I thought this is going to be a, a couple hours I really thought that when we got in that line and we saw how many double backs there were in the queue, I really thought, wow, we're going to be, this. Th we could be here an hour or two. And I think I, I think by the time we got through the entire line and we're putting our wristbands on, I think I timed it out and we had been in line maybe 40 minutes tops. 30 to 40 minutes, I think. Which, you know, yeah, that still sucks, but it's better than a couple hours. But, I mean, it's our own fault we didn't have tickets, you know? It's not no Toy Story Mania. Yeah, that's for sure. But, I mean, plus we were entertained because, you know, you, you, while you're waiting in the queue and doing the double backs, that you could see some really great costumes. Like, and I really regret not getting a picture of the guy as the Red Hood because I still think that was one of my that favorite. That was great. Yeah, that was one of my favorite. Uh, it was the Jason Todd version of the Red Hood. And, man, he looked the part. I mean... It was homemade without looking like cheesy, like it was made out of, you know, cardboard, cardboard and, and, you know, and scotch tape or something. I mean, it really looked like this guy had, had put some serious work into it. And uh, it looked good. I mean, he, and he had the body type, too. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like fat Jason Todd. I mean, this guy looked like he could kick your ass, you know. I mean, it was that was pretty cool. That was one of the better costumes I saw. I couldn't, I should have started, if I had realized how many there were going to be, I'd have started a tally on fat black canaries, because there must have been about 15 of them. I thought yeah, that was, did yeah. you notice that too? Yes. Yeah. Like, there was this fat lady with, with a skinny <laughs> dress. But you know what, I, I, I have to admit that, you know, the first real big thing I ever went to like that was uh was dragon con back in 09 we made a lot of fun about like fat captain america and stuff like that but you know what i've, I've cuffed him bft <laughs> yeah i know i thought that guy was pulling out we're looking we're at the moment we're doing our uh, our wrap-up show circling the parking lot at uh, downtown disney trying to find a parking spot um but anyway you know i i really have come of the opinion you know even if these guys are great big fat slobs and everything, I, I've really come of the opinion that, you know, I, I, got, I got to give them respect because they're braver than I am. Because I would love to costume. You know, I've never costumed in my whole life, but I'd like to. But I'm very much of the opinion that if I'm ever going to do it, I'm, I'm, I got to drop some weight. I want, you know, I, I'll probably never ever have washboard abs, but, you know, I'd want a flatter stomach and 
you know, that sort of want to look the part as much as you know reality would allow me to look the part of whatever character I was going to play. Whereas some of these guys are like, you know, they get a great costume together and you know, to hell with it. You know, if they're not exactly, you know, lean and sleek and, you know, muscle bound or whatever, they still, you know, they still squeeze into the tights or whatever. You know, in a, in a funny kind of way as you know, as much as we want to make fun at the same rate, I got to respect that, you know, because, again, it's it's more than I would be willing to do. But, you know, I, I like that they have that dedication to their, you know, to their fandom, to their character that they want to emulate or whatever. That, you know, I, I find that touching. I think that's pretty cool. Hey, what, uh, I know you're in the middle of the road, right? What else did you, uh, what other costumes did we see? Um, Hot girl. Hot girl. Yeah, that yeah, was, that a, good was one. a good costume. That was Nightwing was one of the more impressive ones because I got to get real close to him because I wanted to see how his costume was made, and that was all homemade. But I mean, it was like really it was good. like yeah, it was a, like a professional stitch up job. I mean, it was it was really good. That was the kind of costume where I could look at it and I could actually believe that somebody like Peter Parker could go home and stitch up his own costume because that looked so good you know, even homemade. I mean, it really looked like he had walked right out of the pages of, you know, Wolfman and Perez's uh, uh, New Teen Titans. I mean, it, it was it was solid. That was a good costume. That was the, the wing, the high-winged uh, collar Nightwing. But I, yeah. I thought he looked cool. I liked that outfit. Um, I, I didn't. I liked the newer one, but it depends who's wearing it. Well, I, mean, I guess I should say I have a sentimental soft spot. I mean, it's not my favorite version of Nightwing, but at the same rate, you know, that was the, the Nightwing, you know. You know, he was the first Nightwing, basically. I I, I think that's cool. Um, who was the guy that he kept? Oh, uh, Nova. Oh, it yeah. It was the that newer. Was yeah, it was, that was a really good one because he had the working lights and all that, but uh, it, that was a newer version of Nova than the classic one. He still looked cool and everything, but I like the classic... What is that? Is that a 70s book? I can't remember. I think that's a 70s book. But I like their classic 70s Nova. I think he's uh, he's really cool. Well, we find it, finally found a parking spot, so uh, we're going to go into downtown Disney for a little bit, but uh, we'll have a, um, more of this coverage later on, you know, this wrap-up coverage later, I'm sure. But uh, for now, that's all. Thanks for listening. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, 
Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. There's there's nothing scarier than than falling asleep at the wheel. I, I you know. But it, the the most ironic thing is is like yeah. it happens and you got the adrenaline pumping and then five fucking minutes later right. it happens again. Right. It's just like didn't I almost just die? <laughs> Do you guys have those? Uh, I don't know what they call them, but you know the bumps on the side of the road when no, you yes. no, not down here. They... <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've I've. I've been riding with people and had those things save our asses a few times when you just start to drift far enough off. Yeah. They, I figured Florida would have those. I mean, you know. I mean, they may, but the roads I drive don't, unfortunately. But, yeah, I kind of miss that. I like that in Georgia because, yeah, I, I had the same thing those, going on there. Those things would probably save countless, countless lives. Because when I used to drive for Frito-Lay... You know, you hit one of those in one of those great big, you know, chip delivery trucks, and it's, I mean, it's like the earth is coming unglued, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure the whole truck resonates. Yeah, Yeah. it does. I'm really fucking surprised you didn't, like, tip that thing over and flip it, because those things can't be stable. Or, like, just had all the windows crack in it when it started vibrating. (laughs) Yeah, those things. Those things have got to like when it's windy. Those things have got yeah. to get like buffeted around like crazy. Yeah, that it takes a lot, a long time to get used to you know the feel of of driving them because when you first start driving, that's that's the fear I think everybody has is that you know you're just going to tip right over when you take a when you take a sharp turn or something. But they're they're built for that. But yeah, you learn it, your center of gravity yeah, and all exactly. that. Yeah, but the first couple of times it does, it'll scare the shit right out of you because you're like, oh god, I'm going right over. But no, nah, they don't. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta really be hauling ass, and you really gotta have some weight in the back. Whereas, you know, generally chips aren't that bad. What I remember where we used That's to get true. freaked out was when they started selling for a time. It didn't last very long, but for a time they started selling this uh, this. It was like a cheese sauce kind of thing, but it actually had meat in it. Oh, and uh, and they were that's pushing scary. It, yeah, they were pushing it really, really hard, and it just wasn't taking off. But they were pushing it, and they would make you. They got to a point where this is how we always knew when things were not doing well was when they they had a minimum requirement of how much you had to take on your yeah. Route. And, you know, because we're the ones that, that end up taking the loss for that, not the company, you know, because the drivers actually buy their stock. Right. But, but you had to make a minimum purchase on this stuff. And it was something like umpteen, you know, cases that you knew you could never sell. Well, that's, that shit's heavy, you know, and it was always a matter of how do I stock this to where my truck doesn't tip over, you know. Because ideally, you want to put stuff all together in one spot. But if you do that, that means you're putting it on one side or the other, and then your truck was unbalanced. You know what? A, it was a nightmare. What was fun though is when that stuff would start to expire. I mean, yeah, you'd already lost your money on it anyway, so it wasn't that big a deal. So like late nights or early mornings and stuff. Sometimes I'd be driving down these really rural roads <laughs> in Georgia, and I would fling that shit out the window trying to hit street signs. It was, it was, it was, it was that a had riot. to smell pretty the next day <laughs> in the Georgia sun. <laughs> yes. 
God. There was this one in particular. We don't know what it is. It's like some nacho sauce, but it looks like there was a small animal hit by it or something. <laughs> I don't know. There's flesh involved. <laughs> I always wondered what these one people must have thought because they had this like perfect sign that I could never hit. I tried every day to hit the thing and couldn't hit it. And they must have had like 40 of those things in their, in their yard. And I always wondered what they must but, think. It's like, what no, the hell what, is what, what they think from? is, honey. Honey, the meat cheese fairy came again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember ordering it, but they're delivering it every day. That guy, the Frito-Lay man, man, I'd give him a big old kiss on the mouth. Yeah, their whole family, you were probably feeding their whole family, man. <laughs> Jesus. By the way, have you guys seen the uh, image that just got released for the uh, Avengers poster? Yeah. Was it the kind of uh, the kind where they were all just standing in some rubble facing something? Yes. I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of half-assed. I think that was my comment I left on. It, it looked like a it, it looked like they stood him up in the studio, lit him from the side, and photoshopped him in. Yes. Where's the old days when they got somebody to paint a poster like Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star mm-hmm. Wars and? You know, may, what, why don't they get like Alex Ross or something, you know, or a comic book artist to paint a beautiful poster? You know, I'm sure they paid some idiot a ton of money to slap that thing together. I don't dislike it, but I do agree that it looks like they're all photoshopped in as opposed to actually standing there with one another. Um, my three biggest issues with it are, for one... Um, this is obviously New York in the background and having planes and shit flying into buildings. Isn't that just a little, you know, ah, it's, it's been a over little, a decade. Yeah, but still too, too soon. It's, yeah, <laughs> I it's not so much too soon, but it's a little I think it's a little insensitive. Manipulate manipulative maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't maybe. know, but you know, I mean New York City's been getting pummeled in the movies ever since 9/11. That's this just is true. This and is before true. 9/11. I mean, Jesus, remember wasn't it like one summer well, like every movie took a shot at New York City? At New York City. Well, I mean, come on, it's a fun, any city's a fun city to to destroy and, you know, and but yeah. I I didn't I, I to be honest with you I didn't notice the planes crashing into the buildings in the picture I was paying more attention to the sloppy job of right. the superheroes and it, and there it, there's just no sense of composition to it it doesn't yeah. make your eye go from one no. place to another and I you know I just I wonder about stuff like that I wonder you know I mean it was the same thing sort of with um when you look at like Lucasfilm DVD releases, it looks like there's some guy who they just gave him his first tutorial on Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, taught him how to cut something out and put a glow around it and make a po the the Avengers one is better than that. But it's still and they tried to make it look almost painterly or, you know, like a painting, but why not just paint it and, and make it cool? Well, other- or do a real comic book looking right that would be cool well the other two things that that jump out at me is my biggest fear for this movie the the number one largest apprehension i've got going into the avengers and and the thing that i'm afraid that if it doesn't come off this is the thing that that that'll ruin it for me 
is Robert Downey Jr. I don't want him to be the leader. I don't want him to be front and center. I don't want him to have every moment and 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 I don't want him to overpower everybody else. And who's front and center with his helmet off right on the cover or, or right on the poster rather, Tony Stark. And it's like, come on, really? I mean, Cap is buried in the background. He's the furthest in the background of all of the characters. That, you, know, you know why? They probably did it in order of movie release. It, well, I think they did it in order of gross. Oh, <laughs> honestly, well, I really think that's, although, you know, well, that would sort of make sense Hawkeye in the, in the forefront, you know, because but, he's new, but they, they probably were like, okay, Robert Downey, you know, Captain, Captain America is just in a movie. So let's remind, because remember, there are people who are just sort of like, oh yeah, there's, that's right. I saw that Iron Man movie. That was good. I'm, you know, so it could be that it could be random. <laughs> Judging it by the quality yeah. of the the picture and the Photoshop work, it could be very well that they were like, "Okay, I have to work with all these poses to fit everybody in on the frame." Uh, it's yeah, I was uh, pretty underwhelmed. I like it. I, I I like it. It's just like I say, I just had those those three quick issues with it. But I, I mean, I didn't think it was a bad poster. I've seen some some really you know some people are really tearing it up on like Facebook and stuff. I didn't think it was bad. I was just like, could be better. And uh, and uh, you know, Tony Stark could be a little bit further in the background to suit me. You know, I think I, they're thinking, what does it matter? I don't think they have to even sell this one. You know, this oh, one absolutely. is like this. This is the one. I mean. You know, they, they know they got sequel audiences coming in, but this is the one that's going to get, all, you know, all the nerds plus all the people who are fans of the other movies going in to see it. So this one should probably make the most money. Absolutely. It may cost the most. It's got the most actors in it, you know, the most actors <laughs> soup going on in it. So. <laughs> Jesus. Lovely. <laughs> right you know, to my the kids edit- listen to this show, right to the right? editing room floor with that yeah that's your own damn fault <laughs> just Scott. just bleep bleep out the word penis and people could put people put whatever they want <laughs> I, I kevin just, smith's butt <laughs> <laughs> i told you about drinking before the show chris hey it's just a little buzz <laughs> <laughs> you bastard <laughs> What did what did you send me here? Got to Oh, no, yeah, it has nothing to oh, Okay. It, uh, yeah, it's I'm, okay. I'm, <clears throat> I'll try to keep this moving along so, faster. So is so is definitely a better experience than oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. than last time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh yeah, he was he was very great. He was just a lot of fun to talk to. <laughs> in the hell is going on <laughs> just struck midnight man what I, that's I, you it, man I, it's not you rachel it's just suddenly <laughs> this really bizarre song starts playing for he's a jolly good fellow well yeah that's a bizarre song in that in that like demonic <laughs> tune that you had it going it's literally that. called for he's a jolly good fellow, sing along on the Kitty OK channel kar- oh, karaoke. Oh. So it's made for little kids, I and it's scaring to, you. I need to find. Uh, I need to dig back up uh, Captain Birthday or whatever the hell the name of that that thing mm. is. You know, 
You know what I'm talking I, about? I was also using my my um, easy chuckle turkey call by Quacker Boy. <laughs> how, about, uh, how about like some showbiz music uh, from Showbiz Pizza? You guys don't know what I'm talking about. I have dude. no, I have idea, no what idea what you're talking about. Showbiz Pizza was a lot like Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. It was a birthday place. You had animatronic bears and stuff and video games and all that. You see, though, the thing about it is, is um, you know, Scott and I use copyrighted music in the background all the time. But the minute we Shh. crack out ha- that song, the that that birthday song, you know, people start smashing through your windows and mm-hmm. throwing bags over your head and well, stuff. No, it, that's it, like it's the, all that's Gene the Simmons. Most evil, huh? It's all Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons owns the trademark to "Happy Birthday." No, he bought yes. that. Oh, he's evil <laughs> yes, Gene <no>. Simmons. <laughs> well, i did not know that i know that all my life that i've always remembered that if you used happy birthday and did not pay somebody they were coming for your ass and uh, i won't ever use it then <laughs> nah, i don't want gene simmons coming to my house to <laughs> well, the weird owl happy birthday from his first album that was pretty badass that's why half the time you hear that stupid happy birthday happy birthday song right you know no i want stuff. the what was that guy's name it's the one that goes it's your birthday and he does the whole spaceman thing yeah they were those little records you yeah buy. the little flexi records a yeah. different name on Anyway, this is Space Command to Zoom. All systems are go for your message to Michael. Hey, Michael. It's your birthday. I'm in charge of the stars and I'm here to say, hey, Michael, you're the big star today. My name is Zoom and I live on the moon. But I came down to earth just to sing you this tune Cause Michel It's your birthday today A present for you I wanted to find An outer space creature, a one of a kind A wild womp or a kookle chew A snaffle drop or a buzzer snooze Or maybe a three-eyed tickle shake What the f*** is a kukulshu? Well, up on the moon, it's nothing new. But that won't do for you on your birthday. I searched behind the clouds and stars. I even zoomed my bike to Mars and met my friend, the saucer man. And he said, Singing to you as I zoom overhead. Singing Michael. Happy birthday. Singing Michael. Happy birthday. Singing Michael. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Michael.